Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast where rendered, unbaptized baby fat gives you wings! I'm Brandon Windish. I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this here Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups... Our bosses. ...the Drive-In Gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. Alaka poof! Zippy kazam! <laughs> what the hell? <sighs> yeah, I meant to tell you about that. I... Conjured a wizard. Briddle pita flippy. Ah-ha! <laughs> it smells like... Did, did he just cast the scent of chlorine? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, Chris, explain yourself. Remember that car full of D&D enthusiasts that came through a few weeks ago? Yeah, the ones who kept calling the concession stand a tavern? Well, I was shoveling the metric ton of empty Mountain Dew cans they left behind into the recycling, and buried deep at the bottom was this book the little book of big boy magic yeah like the drive-in's been pretty busy lately and keeping it up to standards has been a little difficult without any other staff members i mean you even said it'd be great if we had some help so i conjured a wizard to maybe do some spells and help clean the place up flobulus golden globulus <laughs> oh great it's raining Pencil shavings. Yeah, I haven't figured out how to, to get rid of those. Kazim! Kazam! Hey, okay, hey, hey, hey! <gasps> it, that's enough! <gasps> Who dares interrupt my incantation? Uh, okay, listen, you son of a bitch. Uh, look, 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 look th this is Brandon. He's the other head of programming. Yeah, and that makes me your boss. Hmm. Brandon, you say? Yeah. From the Beacon Hill? Ha! No mere mortal with such a silly peasant name can command my powerful charms. Okay, you got about as much charm as a corpse, buddy. What's your name? I am called Bort. Wizard Bort? That's Grand Wizard Bort. Uh, just a little tip. You, you might want to rethink that one. Yeah, I think I'll just call you dipshit. Well, and I'll call you an officious newt. Mm -hmm. Listen, can you just, um, clean up the place? Uh, maybe even make a fresh batch of popcorn. <laughs> I can do even better. <gasps> Slippy pee-pee, candlewick pout. There, now I have a beard made of wet dog hair. Question, uh, can you cast a spell that isn't completely useless? <gasps> useless? I am Grand Wizard Bort, sorcerer of the arcane, an alchemist of many a potion, and a conjurer of powers the likes of which you could never fathom. Oh, yeah, okay, very scary, Bort. Oh, you want scares, do you? Menachem Leapis. <laughs> and just like that, the carpet of hamsters has appeared somewhere in Orlando. Okay, I can make up words, too. Uh, Fruity Kabooty Jingle Man Sprack. There, now you're an asshole. <gasps> I know that you foremost are one thusly, not I. Okay, all right, that's enough. Look, we've got a lot of work to do here, Bort. If you're not going to clean up, can you go play spells outside? I can. 
but not because you implored, but because I wanted to anyway. Benatarum nebo pasco. <laughs> I've conjured a trail of lizard bones to help guide me toward the door. Farewell for now, you bumpkin sons of the soil. Whee! We've got to get rid of that prick. Yeah, well, I guess he gave us a good idea for a theme. What, dungeons and dickheads? <laughs> Close enough. Wizards and warlocks. Holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) So, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between, once again we are joined in the studio of the projection room (laughs) (laughs) by the one and only Jack Holloway. Hey, Jack. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No. I have nowhere else to go. (laughs) I live right outside the (laughs) drive-in. Well, you know, we've seen you out there pandering, well, soliciting. I, I saw him going through the dumpsters. He was eating a rat. And so I thought, you know, let's have him <laughs> To come be inside. fair, the rat tried to eat the popcorn I was after first. And I you was had to teach well, it a lesson. I, I think he got what he deserved. Yeah, fuck that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack is joining us this fine evening for a discussion on wizards and warlocks. Ooh. Jack. Yes. What is your relationship with wizards and warlocks? I and uh, sorcery uh, and magic and magic. Ooh, and the arcane and arcana. <laughs> Welcome. We're going to play Dungeons and Dragons tonight. Everybody grab your dice. Hey, your voice that sounds kind of like a familiar voice. <laughs> oh no, where did that come from? I have I can do three voices. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just um, like me. Don't... Um no, I uh, uh it's something I I was a little boy, so I liked magic. I've I've been a huge fan of magic my whole life. Magic tricks. Um, uh, and I think that's one thing I was thinking about the other day. Uh, uh, practical effects in movies, scary, gory stuff. Uh, it always reminds me, like, this is just like a magic trick. It reminds Tom Savini of exactly. magic tricks, too. Yes. I mean, essentially, that's all it is, right? Yep. It's like, look over here while I trick you with this. In this direction. Like, yeah. yeah. It's great. And that's, um, I've always liked that. I Wait, Jack, I've got a magic trick for you. Oh, please. All right, ready? Okay. It's a bird! Oh, Chris! <laughs> and it's in him! Oh my god! Brandon, smell this! <laughs> oh, that was Jesus. amazing! So when you were a kid, you wanted to be a witch. I did. Okay. Uh, so we had to... No. <laughs> there were a lot of have scary Have you ever times. seen Jack on a broom with a hat cackling? <laughs> yes, but I, I thought have. we weren't... We signed NDAs to not talk about that. full speed. <laughs> I can fly if I run fast enough. Um, Jump I'm off naked, the roof, Jack. <laughs> um, Quidditch. <laughs> I missed. I missed the uh, the the Harry Potter curve. I guess. Yeah, I did um, too. Yeah, I was like, but I, I was always cool watching kids get excited about that. It's like, oh man, that'd have been neat when I was a kid. Any um, child that gets into black magic is a good kid, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, I'm down with that. Totally into it. <laughs> Um, we had the Ouija boards and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? When did I become enamored with, uh, with witches and warlocks and that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know. When I was in elementary school, you know, they had, uh, in the library, what was it? The 800 series in the Dewey Decimal System where all the arcane knowledge and stuff was kept. I think it was, was it the 800s? Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, there used to be just all kinds of, I remember like, they were like two shelves, not, not a whole lot, but Hmm. you know, they had books on cryptozoology, you know, things like, you know. 
Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, and they had stuff on werewolfism. Who is a witch. And they had stuff on witchcraft <laughs> and, and spells and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I was surprised because I'm like, wow, this is in a, like a kid's library and stuff. And like they had actual fucking spells in some of these books. It's like, where am I going to find the fang of a snake? Shit. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, in sixth grade, I went to a Catholic uh, school, Incarnation Catholic, <laughs> and in their library, they had the same shit. They had like big books of like... There was one book in particular, a big, thick, leather-bound book that just had a pentagram on it, and it said, Witchcraft. <laughs> and I got, like... Brandon, you got the Necronomicon. Yes, and I, I brought it home, and my dad was like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he's like, this is supposed to be Catholic school. What, are they, well, what is this in here for? And I'm like, Dad, don't ruin my... Oh, Dad! It's the Malleus Maleficarum. It shows you how to kill them. So Brandon learned how to burn witches. That's right. You know, and, and dig through the ditches. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> drag, drag, Brandon Dragulus. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for asking me how I got into magic. Brand, Brand, how did you get into magic? Um, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I do. You I never talking... did, you bunch of nerds. <laughs> I was too busy crushing puss. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. <laughs> that wasn't me that said that. That was me channeling Brand. <laughs> That's what you think of me, Jack. Uh, but it's true. Um, no, actually, I uh, was I got I was really really into magic in general. <gasps> I I had uh, like fake a, magic or real magic. Fake magic. Um, I had a magic show. <gasps> Brand is yeah. adorable. Uh -huh. Me and my my best friend at the time uh, had a magic show together. It was a comedy show. We basically used to go up to Orlando, like Old Town. There was a magic shop in Old Town, mm -hmm. and we used to go in there and we used to buy all the stuff. There was also a guy in Tampa or in Oldsmar at the Oldsmar Flea Market named Hugh Turley. That's a great yeah. Name. Hugh Turley. Who Hugh Turley. <laughs> I, we used to go and he would teach us magic. And we yeah. would buy gifts. Yeah, I, I don't think that was magic. Oh, <laughs> I somehow knew where Chris was going to take that. <laughs> you, you, you ruined my long version of the joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you did the punchline before I got. No, actually, Hugh Turley uh, taught me magic when I was a kid. And um, also Old Town taught me magic uh, in Orlando when I was a kid. But we bought all the shit. So we bought like um, the loadable, which was like a... Uh, jar like a spittoon of water and you could pour it out yes! and empty it completely and set then, it down it would magically refill i got so a guillotine cool. we got this trick that was like two it was like stop signs there was like a red yellow and a green ball and you put a cover over it when you pulled it back up the balls would be in a different order what? and how did you do it and then you pull Man. them out and put them in they would still be in a different order um, anyway, so had you a fun. Like, you liked it, the magic. I loved it. I loved That's magic. I, I went and saw David Copperfield. He made it snow <gasps> at the at the Stras. So cool. Oh, I got a Copperfield story. Do you? <laughs> oh, yes. Tell us your Copperfield. I've got, I've got a couple Copperfield stories. One Tell that, us one. One that happened to me, and the other one that didn't happen. Tell to us me. the worst one. Actually, the worst one was that. Uh, no, why? Would I, you... <laughs> I, I used to I used to work at that performing arts center. Yeah, and uh, that's where we met. I guess that is where we met. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, when uh, Copperfield was in town, he demanded within his contract writer to have uh, a dressing room for the ducks and the geese that were used in his show. But you know, you would think that he would store them in there in their cages, crates and everything. No. He would let them loose in there. So there was a dressing room that if you had opened up the door, you would find you know a half dozen <laughs> geese and ducks in there just having free reign of the place. When Copperfield left, 
they packed up the duck and geese and they took him out and the whole dressing room was just covered <laughs> in <laughs> duck and goose shit. It looked like just a dock, like it a dock on the lake. No, like there's, there's covered feathers <laughs> and duck and goose shit all over the place, and human shit. David Copperfield shit all over the place too. <laughs> He's like, "This is what I'm into." <laughs> well, where did a, it come from? The other story is from a friend of mine who had uh, was at that performing arts center and was there to go pick up a family member who was rehearsing a show there, and Copperfield was playing at the same time. And as they're walking down the sidewalk around the corner of the building, Copperfield's coming the same way. And when he sees that two other people coming, he dives into the bushes. <laughs> what? There's nobody else around. I mean, it's not like it was like, I don't know if they were doing load in or whatever, but you know, the, the show was not happening that night. So it's not like a, a Friday or Saturday night where that place is just banging with people and everything. It's just, you know, there's a couple people walking down the sidewalk towards Copperfield. And he feels the need to dive into the bushes. Now, this friend of mine who's walking towards him, Totally recognizes who he is and knows that he's going to be there. He kind of walks up to the spot where the bushes are kind of rustling and everything like that. And he goes, nobody cares. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, that's all nice, cute magic stories. But what about when it comes to straight up warlocks and wizards and sorcery and real magic? Blood and death and Satan. (laughs) Oh. We have a theme of wizards and warlocks, you guys, and we have to fucking, we've got to pick something here, okay? You guys, so, in, you guys are in big trouble. You guys, and well, you probably too by proxy, oh. Hudsucker proxy. Oh, a great movie oh. with a little bit of magic in it. Holy shit. And a little it's, bit of sand that's true. to make the experience more pleasant. Oh, I get that. I get that reference. <laughs> yeah, they pause, they pause time as the guy falls and they rewind. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Wait, what does that have to do with sand? That's what they put in the hula hoops. Oh, I thought you were talking to about to just like make it feel like a dog's tongue. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, so do we have some movies here, Chris? Yes. What do you have as a movie that depicts wizards and warlocks? Well, I sat and thought about this, and I said, well, you know, what would be something that's a little off the beaten path, but still kind of fits the theme of wizards and warlocks? And my choice, ladies and germs, is 1982's. Conan the Barbarian. It was a time, not unlike our own, when brutal danger was a part of life. It was in this time that young Conan was orphaned at the hand of Thulsa Doom. And so it became a time for vengeance. But only after his body and his will were shaped by slavery on the wheel of pain could Conan begin his search. First he had to learn the daring of the thief, the cunning of the fugitive, the bravery of the warrior, the warmth of friendship, the passion of love and the wisdom of one who has suffered. Only then would Conan understand that revenge is the answer to the riddle of steel. Conan the Barbarian, a film by John Millius. 
directed by John Milius, screenplay by John Milius and Oliver Stone. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that Oliver Stone starring the governor himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the lovely and beautiful Sandal Bergman, who used to dance for Bob Fosse. Actually, I think it was Bob Fosse that recommended her for this role. Um, and Mako, the uh, wonderful Japanese-American actor Mako, who is in all kinds of stuff. I'm trying to think what Sand Pebbles, he was in that. and The CGI Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he was a yes. splinter. <laughs> Like, oh, cool. Is it Mako? It's not Mako? Well, it depends. If white people are saying it, it's Mako. If oh, okay. it's Japanese people oh. saying it, it's Mako. Well, that's perfect because you're Japanese. So. It grisses. Hi, so this. Watashi wa kurisu desu Okay, oh, stop snap. quoting lyrics from Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla <laughs> uh, breakdown in here, okay? Like, <laughs> Godzilla. <clears throat> and, of course, the late, great Max von Sydow mm. and... Darth Vader himself, James Earl Jones as Tulsa Doom. Yeah. Is it Tulsa or Tulsa? Uh, I think they say it Tulsa. Well, actually, in the movie, they say Tulsa. Do they? I, I, I was listening to it this afternoon because I always thought the same thing. And I think if you talk to anybody that is a Robert E. Howard scholar and everything, because the character of Tulsa or Tulsa Doom does come from the original uh, Conan. Well, actually, I think Cull the Conqueror, was, which was another one of Robert yeah, E. Howard's yeah. characters, that's where uh, Tulsa Doom mm-hmm. comes from. But uh, when Milius was doing research on this and uh, kind of putting together or, I guess, adapting what Oliver Stone had originally written down in a – I think he said it was a cocaine fever dream of a screenplay <laughs> – it would have been like a four-hour movie and everything. Oh and gosh. when they went through and kind of budgeted, they said, this movie's going to cost us $40 million to make. And then they said, yeah, I'm going to rewrite this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, when he had gone through and was was doing some research on the characters of Robert E. Howard, he was kind of picking and choosing different stuff. And there were elements that he you, was pulling you, from. You said all, when Oliver Stone was doing it? or Well, actually, John Milius oh. uh, was doing a lot of research on it, but he was pulling from all different kinds of sources. I mean, he was pulling from Akira Kurosawa movies. Yeah, Seven Samurai, right? Uh, there was a little bit from Seven Samurai, but even more so, um, there was a uh, another film in the 1960s from Japan called Kwaidon. Oh, yeah, the Japanese is, go- ghost yeah, stories based movie. off of the stories of Lafcadio Hearn, who yeah. was actually an American who was living in Japan and then wrote this, collected all these Japanese ghost stories. My guess is that he took influence from the, the witch scene. Is that um, from that? I'm trying to remember. No, actually, I've Ho- seen the movie and read the book, but I Hoichi don't remember. The Earless. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, ho- the story Hoichi the Earless, where there's the, the blind monk that goes to the temple every evening, and there's a samurai that kind of comes through, and he begins to realize that the samurai is dead. Um, and so this uh, monk, they decide to go through and uh, paint kind of Buddhist scripture and stuff all over his face oh, and yeah. body and everything. Wow. That's a big and of course, sequence the one in this spot yeah. that they don't cover is his ears and he gets his ears chopped that's right but anyway um actually one of the bigger kind of uh you know necromancy wizard and warlock scenes in conan the barbarian when mako who plays the sorcerer of the mounds is trying to heal conan because conan's been tortured by tulsa doom and uh he is crucified on the tree of woe and everything the tree of woe the tree of woe yes not not Whoa! Wait, no, the tree of whoa! I can't do Joey it. Lawrence. It's Joey Lawrence on it. Yeah, the tree, tree of, of whoa! <laughs> that was my third voice that I could that's do. It. I could do my regular one, and then the wizard, and then Joey Lawrence. Yay. And that's it. Oh, so we're, we're talking about like you know wrestling's the Taskmaster tree of woe. Um, 
<laughs> but anyway, Kevin Sullivan, you know, anybody anybody out there that's a wrestling mark, you know, will know what I'm talking about. Oh, um, but uh, anyway. Well, I, we're, you're actually, look, I, don't, I hate to cut you off. We're jumping ahead into the story. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm sorry. we should, know, maybe for those who don't know, why don't we, why don't you go ahead and read us the IMDb synopsis, synopsis. of Conan, Conan the Barbarian. The Barbarian, yes. All right, so when his parents are killed in a raid by the evil sorcerer Tulsa Doom, Conan is sent to a slave camp. As the years pass, he develops into a powerfully built man, still determined to get revenge for his parents' deaths and solve the riddle of steel. He learns that Tulsa Doom is the head of a mysterious snake cult, and in his attempts to get closer to the evil sorcerer, Conan makes some powerful friends and many deadly enemies that's actually not a bad imdb synopsis no, it's not. pretty spot on yeah yeah doesn't you know it gives you a good idea what's going on but it doesn't really kind of give you too much it doesn't it's spoil it like we're about to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what um you know now that we've kind of gone through and given our, ourselves the imdb synopsis i think we should probably go through and read the absolute worst review. Yeah, and I, you know, and Jack, I think if you would do us the honor of reading it, that would be wonderful. But I will just preface this by saying, in looking through the worst reviews, uh, which are also, that's that's synonymous with best criticism, by the way. As we all know, the best criticism of film out there is the uh, reviews on IMDb. <laughs> uh, very, <laughs> just very uh, even-keeled thinking. Um, Especially the shit from this motherfucker. Look at this guy's name. Well, this one in particular is is pretty hilarious to wow, me. Wow, yeah. I just saw it. Yep, and, um, and, and the examples are pretty funny, too. Um, but you're right. There, there are two camps of hate to this movie that I noticed. One of those camps are like the Uber nerds who are they all? They actually all work for Lyft, bizarrely. Uh, and they, but the ones who go like, "Ooh, this is this isn't like what Robert E. Howard would have wanted. Oh. This isn't. Has he ever even read a Conan?" <laughs> There's those people, and then there are just fucking pricks like this person. So, Jack, why don't you do us the honor? This is one of the this worst. Is a, this is, a, by the way, this oh, is yes, yes, yes. Oh, one out of ten star reviews. Uh, and please tell us who wrote the, the title and who wrote it. Uh, yes. Terrible Fantasy Flick by Hater of Crap <laughs> 10. Oh, no, sorry. That's September 10th. Sorry, excuse me. He got the original hater of crap the- which i gotta say begrudgingly i'm kind of like good ju- good on you yeah wow hater of crap <laughs> i i want to follow and see like is he just review things he hates he's dead. i think they're up to hater of crap 79 now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hater of crap says this is one of the worst fantasy films ever made the effects were bad even for the time when this was made also arnold schwarzenegger performance was terrible just like in all the films where he appears <laughs> he never made a single good Film. <laughs> Many people consider this to be two of the best films with him. Well, I don't know what that, but I found just bad as the others. Can I? I'm going to take that again. He never made a you single it right. good film. Many people consider this to be two of the best films with him, but I found just bad 
as the others. I just had a stroke. I think he failed reading <laughs> oh, comprehension. Oh big my time. gosh! <clears throat> but besides that, the comics of Conan the Barbarian were pretty bad. All were boring and with ugly and uninspiring and stupid stories. Also, none of the characters of this movie were likable. I hated all of them. This movie's awful. If you want to see, oh, if you want to, oh, comic book nerds, yeah. hang on to something. Hang on to something really tight. Uh-huh. So, this movie is awful. If you want to see a good action flick, see Watchmen. And if you want to see a good fantasy flick, see In the Name of the King. <laughs> Directed by Uwe Ball. (laughs) So immediately it's like your credibility is now in the fucking shitter. The best one is in the name of the king is the best fantasy movie you've ever seen. Of crap. (laughs) How can you have a name like hater of crap and then you start touting the merits of an Uwe Ball? It's Uwe Ball. Oh my oh my god. (sighs) Well, Chris. Haters gonna hate. That's what yeah. Haters of crap gonna hate. Especially crap. people that love great movies, like In the Name of the King. <laughs> My question is, why is Conan the Barbarian a great drive-in movie? First and foremost, because of one of the best lines in all of cinematic history. Uh, what are the things that are good in life? Absolutely. What are the things that are good in life, Jack? Can you tell? Crush your enemies. See them driven before you and hear the lamentation of the women. I can do four voices. Yes! Dude, that was great. Okay. Yeah, nice. That's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you so much, Jack. I thought you yes. were going to go with, you're so big and well-grown. Be proud of your body. That's what that monk says to Conan. I was like, oh, this monk is, I want to see his story. He's is, very, oh, you mean the guy who's like, you're so well, you're big. Do you want to go over there to the side? Yeah, he's like, like, I'm so so shy. I I don't want anyone else to see. Oh, that's right. It's so cute when he's like, I'm shy. You're like, yeah, okay, cool, dude. And I'm cold and afraid. Well, isn't that the same actor, though, that played Narcissi in uh, Clyde Barker's Nightbreed? Oh, Oh my God, dude. Yes. It's the same actor. Holy shit. Yeah, like, you're, I, you're I, totally I rewatched right. the movie and it's like, you know, I remembered this part, but then I looked at it, it's like, I know that fucking actor, and I'm like, oh, it's fucking Narcissi. I love a coward. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> do you want to see my real face? <laughs> so, aside from that awesome line, yeah. what else is so great about fucking Conan? Uh, well, you know, right from the get go, man, I mean, I think that this was just an epic, epic film. I mean, you've got Milius in there, and I mean, John Milius is just, you know, one of the original Hollywood mavericks, man. I mean, he just marched to the beat of his own drum. I mean, this was a movie that they'd been trying to get made since 75, and they were having issues with rights and everything. I think Edward Pressman was one of the producers on this, and he just couldn't get the money together. And once he kind of secured the whole rights, he'd pretty much blown all of the money in his budget. So then he had to bring on a partner and Dino De Laurentiis was there yeah. and said, yeah, I got an idea. Actually, no, I got to make this sound Italian. Uh, <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Yeah, yeah. I got an idea. Uh, yeah, still Dino's idea. here. <laughs> it's me, Dino De Laurentiis. Hey, hey, so I got all of this money, so I give you the money, but you got to take my daughter, uh, Raffaella. She going to be the producer on this one. So Raffaella De Laurentiis was the producer on this. <clears throat> and they had hired... Oliver Stone to do the screenplay because they needed somebody with a name. Yeah, they needed a name. And I will wow. say 
that this was at a period in Oliver Stone's career where he was a fucking coke-addicted <laughs> mess. And by all accounts, the version of the script that he turned in was a cocaine-induced fever dream of a screenplay. Which Milius, he said, he goes, yes, it was a cocaine-induced fever dream, wow. but inspired. Yeah. Been the, there. The whole, <laughs> the whole thing took place in a post-apocalyptic future. What? And when they went through and sat down in pre-production to start to figure out what they would estimate the budget for this to be, and this is in 19... 19- $78 or something like that. $40 million. $40 million. And they said, well, you can have two. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> we're going to have to streamline yeah, this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're going to have to make some changes here. So uh, I think early on when they were talking about this movie, they, they, they Milius was interested in this. He, he really wanted to do this project. And then somewhere he kind of got disassociated with this. And then later on, after Dino De Laurentiis uh, got involved, Milius came back on board and said, you know what? We need to kind of pare down this script a little bit. So he went and took uh, Oliver Stone's script and then made some judicious edits to it and everything. Um, but I think they, you know, really kind of got a really good tone, I think, with with this film. Well, it's one of the things I, I love about it is that it does have this huge epic feel that harkens back to things from the 1950s, you know, kind of, you know, Cecil B. DeMille kind of stuff, or, uh, you know, the Charlton Heston, you know, biblical epics and stuff that you had in the 1950s. There's a lot of that that's brought back. I mean, the cinematography is there. The Basil Polidorus score, man. I'm going to put that Dude. up there as being one of the greatest movie scores of all time. That's something I want to talk about to, Yeah, because, tonight. I mean, it's just, it's it's such an amazing musical score. And, I mean, from a technical standpoint, too, there were new technologies that Basil Polidorus was, was doing. Uh, and Milius kind of approached this in a, in a completely different fashion. You know, the way up until this point that they had been doing film scores was that um, they would you know shoot the entire movie and then the composer would see it after they had all the dailies and started to do a rough cut of it and then start to compose to that. Milius ahead of time went to Basil Polidorus who was a friend of his and said hey dude here's the storyboards that we're doing this is what I'm shooting for you start putting ideas down and everything like that and then we'll start working together to really kind of bring these two things together bring the music and the movie together all at one time rather than it being kind of an afterthought. And Basil was like I envision nothing but flutes. <laughs> I want this whole score to be flutes. <laughs> Is that no? That's not what Basil Polidori says. Basil Polidori. He sounds like just a dude. It's oh, he great. just sounds like okay. He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. So I wanted it just to be flutes. Well, I yeah, think he was flutes. another. He was another USC film yeah. guy, wasn't he? Or something? Oh, like, really? Yeah. I mean, he's he's an American. Fake I know when name. I heard when I heard Basil Polidori's, I was like, oh, he must be this. I was like, oh no, he's just like, yeah. So I got the. He's I was like, composing the Anvil of Prague. Oh, is he great? See, I just well, picture because he like works with Verhoeven that he's like some weird German like Verhoeven too. Or no, Verhoeven's not German, is he? He's Dutch. Dutch. What's the difference? Deutsch, Dutch, Dorch, Dorch marks. Dorch. Oh no, that's a Chicago. Hey. No, that's what you get when you don't wipe your ass. <gasps> Dorch marks. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch! Excuse me, I gotta in your in your underwear. Oh no! In your underoos. 
but um, I mean, just you know, violence in this movie too. That's another. Thing. Dude, I, I the the I miss a good moist squib. <laughs> Man, when he hits with the sword, it's just blood baths. Oh, well, I, I miss what that. they had it's done. Like is they had level. they had plastic bags that were underneath the costumes yes. there, and when they would go through and do the sword cuts, <laughs> they burst those bags. They would like were using like pig blood and shit to kind of just pour all over the ground, and I mean it was just this is it was a bloody fucking mess. And later on, they had to go back and re-edit the movie because Milius had turned in something like a two-hour and forty-minute cut, and then they had to go through and they had to edit like twenty-three to twenty-five. I, I heard minutes. it was forty minutes that they cut out. Wow. There was just a shit yeah. done because it was too fucking violent. <laughs> And I'm like, well, oh. one of those things that apparently was cut. So the opening of the movie is, you know, actually the the majority of the movie, not the majority, but a lot of the movie is dialogue free. Mm-hmm. So it's done in that um, classical cinema way, the juxtaposition of moving images to tell a story, which it's is so something that I think is lost good. on a lot of films made today. And. Because everybody wants to be Tarantino. <laughs> the opening, yeah, you can overwrite and, and but the opening of the movie, especially, is a dialogue-free massacre of a village, and right down to Conan's mother getting beheaded oh, while he's holding her hand. That is a and it's really cool. Shot. It's really cool the way it's done. But I read that one of those deleted gore scenes was her head. Was her head. On the ground, blood and like t- death twitching, ah, 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 eyes blinking oh. and mouth moving. And I spent like an hour Trying the other day it. looking for it. I was like, I want to see it. I gotta see this. I gotta head. see that shit. <laughs> anyway, that was what, uh, what what Brandon said. Uh, um, one of the craziest things watching it today, it it struck me. Um, it could almost be a silent movie. It could. The the imagery is so gorgeous and the visual storytelling just i mean i wrote down 12 examples like the um just why is conan so big the wheel of pain we see this image of a bunch of kids pushing this circular wheel and then we see people start dropping off there's less people pushing which means he's getting stronger oh my he's god gr- it's just him the one the last remaining the one, yeah. pain and, wheeler at the end it's just him solo and even beyond that it's him struggling by himself head down yeah and at the end He's comfortable. I was like, this told me a whole story without a word. That makes my heart so happy. And that's that was another kind of interesting cinematic device that they use, too, because they show him as a little boy yeah. and stuff, and he does. He puts his head down, mm-hmm. and then as he begins to progress in age and get larger and bigger, you always see the head down. And then finally, you know, when it's huge Schwarzenegger <laughs> and everything like that, he lifts the head back up. You're like, and oh, we're in business. Like, oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> See, I thought that just happened over the span of like sixty-three seconds. <laughs> he just started growing. Like, oh, magic growth! Oh man! No, he, I didn't really. Well, I mean, we are talking about wizards and, and warlocks, here, so he there was a warlock been. there. Well, by the way, where I, I've Where's heard the not magic one in this? single thing about magic so far. I'm just hearing about ripped dudes pushing wheels. <laughs> oh, believe me, dude, that's magic. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you're talking to. Yeah, I guess. Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, no, but you know the 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 main antagonist in this, you know, Thulsa Doom, who is the leader of this snake cult and everything. You know, he's a necromancer. He has the ability to mesmerize people, and even in the in the the opening scene where um, you 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 see Conan's village and everything, it's a group of Sumerians. That's what Conan is, and you know they're a northern people, and his father is uh, a blacksmith. 
Conan's father and Conan's father. I mean, the whole opening sequence of the movie is the forging. It's not even really forging. I mean, it's casting of a mm. sword, which I looked at that and I was kind of like, oh, as awesome as this is visually, you know, you know, a cast sword is going to break the first time you hit it with something. You know, it's like you got to go through and you got to forge. Well, you got to hammer <laughs> that out, create those layers and everything. But, you know, there's the magic that's in that. I yeah. mean, there's the magic of taking something like steel and creating steel and making a, a, a battle implement out of it. And, you know, for the longest time, that type of knowledge, you know, was a very, very kind of sacred and, and secret art. The secret of steel. Exactly. What is the secret of the steel? Um, and, you know, the great, great mm. William Smith. Um, I love William Smith. You know, he's got like the most nondescript name in all of cinematic history. <laughs> but the dude's a fucking badass, man. Yeah. It's like, I, you yeah. know, I, he Men was, in Black. <clears throat> <laughs> Independence Day. William Smith is an Independence Day? Yeah. Is that what you meant by a blacksmith? That's not okay, Chris. Whoa. Oh, he... oh no. Oh, Welcome to Earth. I just got I just got what you said. Oh boy. I didn't think about that. No. No, not Will Smith. William Smith. Oh. Will I am. Oh. No, not Will, Will I, I am. Will I am. No. William Smith. No, William Smith. Uh, Do you guys remember that used to be my old uh, handle on uh, Xbox was Will I Am Friedkin? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. You fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with that at your house, Jack. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> Will I Am yeah. Friedkin? But the uh, but just you know the great character actor who had played a heavy for for so long. Um, William Smith was in uh, John Milius's Red Dawn as one of the Soviet commanders. Um, he did a whole bunch of television throughout the 80s and everything, well, kind of a classic bad guy. He was also uh, in, what was it, Invasion of the B-Girls? Which is Holy a classic, shit, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was the lead, you know, the hero in that movie. But, you know, just a great, great actor. Um, so you kind of start off with that. <clears throat> and then kind of more of the magic that takes place in there is that uh, when Thulsa Dune comes riding in into the Sumerian camp and everything and is just fucking slaughtering everybody that's around and William Smith goes to go fight against them and everything after the, the, the camp has been subdued and everything. Um, up comes riding Tulsa Doom and it's just Conan's mother mm-hmm. and little boy Conan. And of course, she's got a sword. And he gets off his horse and takes off his helmet and everything. And there's just something about James Earl Jones playing this part of Tulsa Doom. You know, he mesmerizes her. You know, it's through his eyes. You know, very Svengali kind of thing where he completely hypnotizes her and then chops her head off. Yeah. You know, and the ability of him to go through and have this entire snake cult. You know, all these people that are following him. It's kind of like. Well, I don't know if I should say that. but Well, it's a lot like Jim Jones. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the best parts to me in the movie is where after they, they've, you know, Conan grows up, goes to get his looks seeking revenge, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They capture him. They beat the fuck out of him. And he's like sitting there bleeding. And like on the thing. And, and Tulsa Doom shows up and he's like, has this awesome monologue, essentially, where he's talking about. You. Huh? I made you. <laughs> Is that, the, is that that scene? Well, where, he, he, he does it twice. Where he, he talks the about the flesh being stronger yeah, than steel. Than steel and yeah. he look, looks at the, up at the girl and he goes, come on, come down, come to me. And she just like, not, no hesitation, just jumps, jumps down to her death in the thing. And he turns around and goes, that is the power of flesh or whatever. <laughs> that fucking scene is, to me, one of the best parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
every time James Earl Jones gets to monologue in the movie, I'm into it. Yeah. Because he's not like chewing scenery. He, he plays it really subtly and interestingly, you know? I, I don't know. I, I, well, the thing on this movie, too, is that, you know, they brought in James Earl Jones and they brought in Max von Sydow to lend some credence to this because uh, yeah, this was strong Arn- actors. This was Arn- yeah. like one of Arnold's first movies. It was his first leading role. This is after he was bragging about coming all over the gym. Coming all over the all weights. All the time, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> like, oh, when you're lifting weights, it's you're like just you're coming, coming, coming all over the gym, coming all over your mom's face. Oh, no. Coming so all over the weights. Please. Think about being a producer and watching Pumping Iron and going, yeah, that's the guy I want that's for the That's who I want for my leading man. That's a guy that's a star. <laughs> Yeah, it's really he is really charming in Pumping Iron. Though. He's uh, uh, that was the thing, you know. Uh, for a hater of crap here, um, Arnold doesn't get much to say, but I think he's excellent in this movie. He's he does focused. Some, there's some beautiful moments. He is focused. There's some beautiful moments where you know the scene where their whole uh, he uh, falling in love with um, Valeria. Valeria. Their scene together. Um, and then you know she's played by asleep. Sandal Bergman, yes. who you mentioned was sorry, no, no, just no, no, to, who was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And by the way, she brings super graceful, wonderful grace, super to the movie. graceful. It goes wonderful against his yeah, like. You know, and I totally buy totally that she's a badass too. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, it, is she supposed to be an Amazon? She's like a Valkyrie at the yeah. end. Almost. Well, at the end, yeah, she comes back as a Valkyrie. Yes. Okay, live forever. We're like, well, yeah. cool. But sorry, Jack, you were saying. Oh no no. Um, I, I think he's wonderful. Oh, Brandon, <laughs> it hurts my feelings. <laughs> no, um, I, I noticed the style of the uh, the kind of they have these like buoys of these heavy hitting actors. You know, you start with William Smith, and then we get a lot of silent storytelling and, and visual storytelling, and then all of a sudden, boom, Max von Sydow's there uh, as a King Osric, and then we've got visual storytelling. Let's get James Earl Jones in. So they've got these like monologue, powerful actors. Yeah, very hit, hard hitting, great. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it was a very smart thing that Milius did. Yeah. With regards well, to that, Well, he wanted I think. to counterbalance it, because you the all of your heroes in this movie, Schwarzenegger, Sandal Bergman, um what's his Jerry, name? Lopez. Jerry Lopez. Jerry Lopez, who's a championship surfer. Who, <laughs> by the way, super tight. Do you know that his he was dubbed by Sab Shimona? Yes. The Japanese actor yeah. Sab Shimona, yes. Dubbed him, even though Milius said there was nothing wrong with his voice, I thought like he did a great job. Because um, he's a non-actor, he was in what was what was Millie's Big Wednesday. Sur- Big Wednesday. Nothing wrong with him in Milius's opinion, but I guess people were like, "eh." He was a little uneven with his accent, so they just completely dubbed him. I never would have known that if I hadn't yeah. read that. Like so, but you know, these are all testament to the to the ADR. You know, some of it I didn't really care for. Some of Arnold's ADR, I was kind of like, "crumb." Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Grant me revenge. <laughs> if you do not, then I say to hell with you. Oh, my God. So that, so that was another thing for me about the movie that I loved. I love that it's very much a, like a movie about making your own choices against like what you, the world and like God or whatever is going to tell you to do. I love how like cliche like manly that concept is of just like no no nobody tells me what to do i do milius gravitated towards yes piece i love that and here's another thing too with for for a lot of those people that say you know well i'm sorry but this is not what robert e howard had in mind i think robert e howard if you had kind of done like a double blind test with him and shown him this movie and not told him that it was conan 
<clears throat> he would have jizzed all over this movie because Robert <laughs> E. Howard was that kind of guy. He was, you know, a manly man kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these types of, of characters where they forge their path and they forge their own destiny through their own choices. Precisely that. Um and I think that that's something that he definitely would have gravitated towards, too. Um, but this idea that, you know, the implements that you use, and this is really what the riddle of the steel is, is that, you know, the implements that you use uh, have no life to them whatsoever. It is when they are picked up and they are wielded by someone who has willpower and has... Uh, the drive to do something that's where the real magic comes from and that's it because the first time conan gets a hold of his father's sword that he's basically been questing for Mm -hmm. it's fucking broken yeah and he he holds it up in his battle you know his battle pose and because he it it's it's beyond that now he's it's just like you said it's the willpower the man that wields it not the the weapon itself um but you know to kind of get back onto this this theme of of warlocks and wizardry and everything um you know just to kind of bring this back home um you know i think necromancy is kind of the big theme with all of this you know the idea of resurrecting the dead um and the character of that mako plays the sorcerer of the mounds you know after conan's been you know Crucified on the tree of woe, uh, Subutai. <laughs> when he bites the yeah, it was so dead. dope. <laughs> Just like, come on. <laughs> and then he laughs. <laughs> and then he passes out. Yeah. Right after the <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they bring him uh, from the tree of woe to the sorcerer of the mounds. And then he's going to use his ability to contact the spirits of the underworld to heal him. So, of course, they wrap him up in a shroud and then they tie him to stakes and then they paint his face and body with all these incantations and everything. And, you know, he warns Sandal Bergman's character, Valeria, do you want to do this to save him? She says, yes. He goes, this place will exact a huge cost. Mm -hmm. She says, I'll pay it. And so they go through with this ritual and everything to kind of heal him and of course these you know demons basically kind of come out and uh sandal bergman and subutai you know they they are worried about conan so they go to kind of fight off the demons and everything um and it was rotoscoping i think that basically what they had gone through and done for that yeah i think initially they made it and they brought it back and people were like it looks just like fucking raiders of the lost ark and they were like, we got to redo it. So they because like, they were using like puppets within like you know viscous fluid and stuff. Yeah. Like so they they had to do it. And I remember it's it's actually really complicated. I like I I kind of my brain like shut down when I was trying to understand how they were doing it. <laughs> I was just kind of like, oh okay, that sounds really complicated. I, you it, know, optical like, basically. Well, but he but that's the thing. Milius didn't want to use any optical effects on this. He wanted, yeah, he wanted everything it all to be, be done like you know. In camera illusions wow. and everything, cool. he wanted to make it look as real as possible. And then, of course, what they had to do is they had to go back later on and almost frame by frame animate. Yeah, there's definitely rotoscoping. I'm pretty sure involved, which um, is something that is not done anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that's gone. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot Lost of that. Art. Well, he also, I think, a lot of the effects stuff too was done with. Um, uh, I, it's it's kind of like a version of what Sam Raimi would do for Army of Darkness. Um, it's not like a rear, it's like a, it's model making, but it's scale model making. So oh, they force would, perspective. Force stuff. perspective. So mm-hmm. put the, 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 the backgrounds, like the big expansive backgrounds and buildings or whatever the fuck, they put those in the foreground of the camera. 
uh, as a small little miniature, and then they would use the certain lens to make it look like it was actually far away, wow. and that's how they expand their scale and their yeah. scope of it, which is... So to no me, matte paintings, none right. of that kind of shit. Far more effective. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know why that's not done now. I mean, when I was in high school, there was a guy that I went to school with that, you know, he used to make movies, and, you know, we used to act in them for him and everything, and, like, he did a Jurassic Park style movie where everything was done in forced perspective but like you know he understood the techniques well enough to where it doesn't cost any fucking money except for you know you spend okay you know 9.99 on this jurassic park t-rex and everything and put that shit in the foreground <laughs> and it'll look just like jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> well but i mean you know when you when you think about it that it was you know a 15 16 year old kid that was <laughs> oh man <laughs> all right well uh, just last bit you yeah. know i was talking about uh necromancy and yeah. everything too Conan, as a character, makes a descent into the underworld and then is resurrected three times in this fucking movie. Three fucking times. Um, you know, initially when they kind of push him, you know, he's got the the wheel of pain that he's working on and everything. Um, but after he kind of grows up, they put him down in the fighting pit and he's down in the fighting pit uh-huh. and he makes his way up out of the fighting pit and then he's freed. And as he's fleeing from the dogs that are chasing him, he falls into the tomb of the Atlantean King and everything where he finds the sword and everything. And of course he makes his way up out of that. And then of course the final time is when he's been, you know, tortured and crucified on the tree of woe and actually descends into the land of the dead and his friends fight the demons for his very soul, and he's resurrected that final time. Um, you know, it's just this, this idea of, of dying and coming back, um, you know, the resurrection of the dead that I think is probably the he's strongest. He's being forged like a sword. Oh, shit. Or, oh, my gosh. Charmillion. <laughs> oh, my God. Another, <laughs> another, uh, another little bit of, that I just noticed today. Uh, the dogs, when he is freed from being a, a slave and the guy kicks him out, he's like, go, go, go. And he's being chased by the, the wolves. There's just a beautiful little moment that I just caught today. Uh, he's running from them. He go, He falls into the tomb with the Atlanteans when he comes back out triumphant uh, he looks down at the dogs hard cut he's wearing the dogs oh shit it's such a beautiful <laughs> yeah. like he does not have the That's like awesome. wolf that, and yes. then the next scene he's walking I was like oh, I That's get great. it I get it well there's movie. a lot of that in the movie it's he punches so a camel good. in the face <laughs> he punches a camel and I I don't know. Which, you know the fucking humane society put them on the fucking list. They were like, they, no, they were on the shit list. It looked for like that. a real. Did he actually he punch like, the camel, he dude? The camel. He did it for real. <laughs> he did it for real. And there's one more thing that happens. The, in the movie. Some of the horse falls and stuff. Oh, the horse yes. falls are pretty rough. Yeah. Oof. I, it was funny. I was having a hard time with that too. I was like, because oh, there's shit. The, there's like five of them. <laughs> yeah. Oof. By the way, more magic. Fucking Tulsa Doom. Oh, turns into a fucking oh, snake. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty dope puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And also has the coolest weapon of a villain, probably like one of my favorite weapons. Oh, that a villain's snake, snake arrows. Snake arrows. <laughs> snake arrows yes. is fucking incredible dope. to me. I love that. I love that. Straightens them out. Fires them. And I love when it goes into the one character and Arnold's like pulling it out. Oh. Yeah. And it's like pulling it out. And then it's, and it's then a it real co- snake. And then it yeah. coils around his hand. Yeah. Yes. Fucking what the fuck? It's so cool. Love it. So cool. Yeah, love the magic cool. stuff in the movie. Um, and of course, love the decapitations. <laughs> There's some good ones. There's a lot of decapitations. There's some good ones. Bloody Disemboweling. Yep. And then of course, the witch bitch. I didn't even talk about the witch oh, bitch. Oh, yeah. That's one of... But that is the scene 
by the way, that I got, like, I was into it from there on. I was just like, oh! Because that's, I've never seen that scene before. Yeah. So that was, like, my first time. Do you so like to first... come inside and warm yourself by my fire? Yeah, he stumbles upon on his journey. Do you not want to come inside? It's so, it's, like, at first I was like, what the fuck is this weird dumb shit? And then... And I was like, oh, God, and a fucking st- stupid sex scene that was like, she's like so over the top at first, you know, with her performance. But then <laughs> you begin to realize I, why. I, I was like, oh, Uh-oh. she turns into fucking an evil dead Sam Raimi demon. Yep. And it's incredible. Her hair's whipping around. So lots of cool magic. Yeah. So. <laughs> Snakes. <laughs> oh, the, the two snakes yeah, facing, facing each, each other. other. <laughs> I love that. Gen- <laughs> All right, so Chris, what are some dead city tallies? All right, you've got, uh, <laughs> you've got wizards, you've got decapitations, you've got blood, you've got boobies, you've got sex scenes with Arnold Schwarzenegger picking up bitches and throwing them in the fire. <laughs> Eating vultures. You've got ripping vultures' yeah. throats out with your bare teeth. You've got crucifixion. You've got uh, snakes being shot into people's sides and then pulled out. Uh, you've got impalements. You've got throat slashes. You have giant snakes that are shot full of arrows and then have their heads chopped off. Uh, you have uh, more boobies. <laughs> and you have Arnold's pecs and... and and, uh, oh my gosh, there's no. just so much. What am I missing? And now that, you're that, coming all over the gym. Oh, oh my God, God. <laughs> he's filling up the place. We are, oh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, the, the final shot of the movie. It's pretty dope. Oh, well, of course, you know, uh, Conan the King Conan sitting the King. on his thro- throne. And then, of course, the, uh, the Mako narration throughout the entire thing. But he goes, you know, yes, became a king by his own hand. But that is another story. I was like, oh, I want to see that story. We'll never get it. Never get it. It's supposed to be three. Uh, I, oh, a little a little extra tidbit. If you've never seen the commentary on the blue, I've got the Blu-ray. If you've never seen the commentary with John Milius and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think it might be my favorite commentary ever. Is it just him like pointing out this is a, now this is where I'm biting a vulture's head off? Yes, and, and <laughs> so it's just like the, total recall. Well, the, beauti- the beautiful thing is that Milius is giving these detailed explanations about now what we did here. Um, you see, Conan is being forged much like a sword. He's like, yeah, look at this part. Yeah, the lady. I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> and my favorite part is they sound like they are best friends. Yes. Because at the beginning, John Milius goes, hello, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold goes, and I'm John Milius. <laughs> and he's like, and if you believe that. That's <laughs> awesome. They just sound like they're best friends goofing. That's so cool. It's so nice. It, they have such a beautiful. I was like, I could listen to this all day. That's so cool. So- one of the most tragic things to me of all time is John Milius. Uh, did you guys see the documentary yeah, Milius? It's incredible, and oh, I was like yeah. really into it. By the end of it, they're like, he, yeah, they revealed that he had a stroke and he's no longer able to like communicate or talk. And it was like mm-hmm. one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen, knowing that like such a raconteur like Milius, such a storyteller, was like robbed of one of the very things that he was gifted with yeah. is a very heartbreaking thing. And that's how I like to end things on a bummer note. <laughs> yeah, no. well, just remember, too, Milius is the guy that wrote fucking Dirty Harry's, you know, did he fire six shots or only five? Damn. He also wrote the fucking Indianapolis story right. from Jaws. That's right. I did not know yes. that. Yeah. He was one of, like, four writers. <gasps> that is true. But he was, the one like... that it was, he was the one that contributed to that wow. to the initial 
story. Mm-hmm. It was his idea. It was to say, let's make Quint have a fucking reason to hate wow. sharks. That's so cool. So that's him. That's I mean, so this cool. guy is, you know, he's a man's man and uh beautiful storyteller. Seriously, yeah. I- iconoclast that guy. So we well, love you, John Milius. We love you. Come on, come on, hang out with us sometime. <laughs> um, well, why don't we uh, take a, a minute and have a word from our first sponsor? Does your wheel of pain squeak? Well, then you should try Crom's Axle Grease, made from discarded corpses of girly men. Crom's Axle Grease makes things nice and smooth, perfect for slave mills, booby traps. Bodybuilders and looping the snatches of shape-shifting witch bitches. Crom laughs at your regular axle grease. What is good? Crushing your enemies, see them driving before you, and hearing the lamentation of the women. And Crom's axle grease. All right. Well, we've got um, another. That's one movie out of the way. We've got another movie that we need to pick, and I think it's time that we let uh, me go. And say fuck you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we say that I'm a lot, picking. though, don't we? It's every oh, time Jack, I were like, "I love fuck you, Jack." <laughs> Welcome back, Jack Holloway. You piece of shit. <laughs> and we're back. Thanks with for Jack Holloway, who fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? You're just going to dub me with fart noises? Yeah, I hope you like, go ahead and talk, Jack. This is what Jack sounds like when he talks. You know what my favorite part about the movie I chose was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was actually just going to put it all in. <laughs> I was trying to be helpful. All right. So, um, psych, by the way, you're going next. What do you got, Jack, for witches? Fuck! What are you? <laughs> Daddy's very angry. Uh, <laughs> that's actually the name of Brandon's new album. Daddy's very it's called, angry. It's called Witches Fuck. <laughs> they Daddy's do, by the way. They do. You don't know. Semicolon. Do you guys? Daddy's really angry. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you guys know why witches can't get pregnant? Why? Because their husbands have Halloweenies. <laughs> right? Oh, Jack. Yeah, it's a. I'm back. Jack, what is your movie for wizards and warlocks? Oh, my goodness. I I love this movie, and I'm not sure if I have terrible taste. I genuinely love it. It's very possible I just have bad taste. I I think I have bad taste, too. (laughs) Nonsense. I genuinely love this movie. Uh, it, it's one of my. I think I, I have. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I've loved it. I revisited it. Uh, it is 1989's Warlock. In a time of fear and suspicion, you choose to admit your crimes before man and God. His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. Satan also has one son. I know thee! 
first to have laid eyes upon the new Messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the prison. You know what he's capable of. Next time he's going to kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. This movie it holds a special place in my heart. Maybe it's because I saw it. I think I was like a 10 or 11 year old boy. I rented it. Uh, we had a, a pharmacy, a pharmacy with a, a video store in it. I think it's like Eckerd Drugs. And I saw the cover and I was a little horror horror geek. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And so my mom had to get it. She's like, sure. Checked it out. And I think it's like a it, it's up there with kind of a a starter horror movie because it's not it's not terribly scary. It's more fun and kind of adventurous. It is definitely creepy and eerie, but it is it is charming. I love this movie. Um, so, yeah. That's oh, and let me <clears throat> tell you a little bit of info about it. So, Warlock, the year nineteen eighty nine, released in nineteen ninety one. Oh, so I would have been like twelve, eleven. Uh, directed by Steve Miner, who also directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Three. That's right. Yeah, and uh, Halloween H two O. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, this was his. Um, he it was like those two Fridays. Then it was like House. And then I feel like he did Soul Man after that. Whoops! And then, <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, I gotta lay low." And this, yeah. And then he does. And then he does Warlock. But after that, his career took an A-list turn because he's directing Forever Young with Mel Gibson and Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Um, and uh, you know, again, Jamie Lee Curtis with Halloween H two O, of course, nice. Lake Placid. Oh um, man, that's And then cool. um, you know. More recently, the Day of the Dead remake. Oh. Which one? Exactly. <laughs> oh. It doesn't matter. Oh, no. It doesn't matter which it one. <laughs> oh. And uh, Warlock was written, and David Tuohy. I believe yeah, he pronounces Tuohy. his name David Tuohy. Tuohy. A great writer. He's Lots also of... the guy that did Pitch Black. Yes. Did Pitch okay. Black. Okay. Did perfect. Get All away. the Riddick <laughs> shit. He also, and I believe just a top, well, I, I shouldn't say this because I don't want to spoil your movie, but I'll, I'll say it later. And it stars... Uh, Two of the best performances, legit. I've I love uh, Julian Sands as the warlock. You've got Richard E. Grant as Giles. One Redfern. of the best performances from a horrible actor, Julian Sands. <laughs> what arachnophobia? He was great in that. Uh, he was horrible in that. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that in a little bit because it's it's. That, I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way about. Yeah. Now, now there's something about you can't take your eyes off of Julian Sands. I don't know what it is about him, but he's terrible. Well, he's got a Inter- screen presence. He does have screen yeah. presence. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm very. See, this is where I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, Richard E. Grant playing the witch hunter, Red Fern, going through time. Wait a and second. You've got- I thought his name was Doctor Seward. <laughs> I thought his name was I. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's not with Nail. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a fucking rim shot? <laughs> no, I meant can I get Ernest's dog rim shot to sit on my lap? So oh, I, I thought you said him. rim job. <laughs> Hit me with a rim job. Oh, <laughs> not what I meant. Oops. I should learn language. Dum bum. <laughs> and also Larry Singer and Mary. Larry Singer. Larry. Oh, is it Larry Singer? Oh, whoops. Sorry, Larry Singer. Whatever. She wouldn't wear the makeup. That's all she gets. I'm joking. No, you're, you're not. That's okay. Uh, and uh, Mary. Warnov. Warnov. Yeah. 
is. And uh, the uh, that sounds like a witch's name right there. It does work. The beautiful Warnoff. and brilliant Mary Warnov, by she's the way. Great I think she's wonderful. She's wonderful in everything she does. Everything. Even going back to the factory and all the stuff she did with Andy Warhol. Yeah. And of course, Death Wave 2. Death Wave 2. Death Wave <laughs> Death, Wave, Death Wave. Oh, the Death Wave. You gotta be careful. <laughs> Well, Jack, why don't, be... you, why don't you go ahead and read, um, <clears throat> tell us the IMDb synopsis. Uh, there were two synopsi mm-hmm. here. I, there was one that was like, like, what are they, what's, uh, what's that dipshit saying, uh, brevity is the soul of wit, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, it was actually a really concise and clear uh, thing, but I wanted it to sound, have a little bit more, you know, language yeah. here, so go ahead. Uh, in Boston... Of 1691, a warlock is sentenced to death, but escapes magically into the future, our present, followed doggedly by the witch hunter. Then he is searching for three parts of the devil's Bible, trailed by the witch hunter and the woman whose house he landed in. (laughs) Jeez Louise. So wait a second. Instead of a house landing on the witch, (laughs) the witch lands on the house. You guys. Oh my God. Comedy gold. (laughs) They must stop him as the book contains the true name of God, which he can use to uncreate the world. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. So I I think Warlock is a bit of a cult film, except for the fact that I don't think it's that. Talk, it's talked about that often. Uh, that's I didn't. I've never. I mean, you guys, but I've never run into anybody where I, I say it. And they're like. They, there's... Well, actually, when you said it, when you said Warlock at that party that, that night, I was like, we're doing went, an entire episode yes. because that was such nobody, a cool, that just, was such a cool moment because you, you, you had told me, you guys had told me some of the, your higher ups here, uh, had given you some list of things you might do. And as you told me the list, I mean, you know, ideas were popping into my head about three or four or five films. Oh, creature feature. What would I choose? Slasher. Oh man. So many great choices. But you said this title and I immediately went, I know exactly what I would do. I would yeah. do Warlock hundred yeah. percent. And then you were like, okay, that is the one. <laughs> it was great. So it's, it, but I just, yeah, it's not, it's just not really talked about too often. That said, I was looking um, for some really bad reviews, and there were there were only two one star yeah. reviews on all of IMDb. Yeah. Now, oh, how okay. many reviews total did they have? I didn't look. <laughs> there were I two. Didn't look. There, there were, were only two. two. <laughs> like, oh man! Um, and one by Jack Holloway. <laughs> it's like, you guys, this movie's so cool. <laughs> well, I want to. Uh, I want to read both. Of, uh, there's. I put both of them in here in a <gasps> yes. little bit of a switcheroo. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting because the one, the first one I'm going to read, which is a one star, uses the same language that the IMDb synopsis uses. <gasps> interesting. And I can only... Are you trying to stir up some controversy here? I just think that the same guy who shits on the movie is also... Is this cra- crap Is he bad? No, this <laughs> is Flash Callahan. That's a great... Shit, that's a... <laughs> and a he name. says... He gave the movie one out of ten stars. And he says, cream that has turned an all blue flame. So he's referencing something in the movie that's pretty deep cut, you know, like. Yeah, that's a, you know, oh, no, they're on the the jet. Oh, the cream has turned. There's a witch here, the blue flame. So, you know, your IMDb synopsis started off with, read the first sentence. (laughs) Oh, um, oh. Uh, the synopsis is in Boston of 1691, a warlock is sentenced to death, 
but escapes magically into the future, our present, followed doggedly by the witch hunter. Okay, so here's here's Flash Callahan's review. Oh my goodness! In Boston of 1691, <laughs> a warlock is sentenced sentenced to death, but escapes magically into the future, followed doggedly by a witch hunter. Doggedly, I'm on to you, bro. What's going on here? Yeah. In Boston of 1691, again, That's specific. Either he's strange. ripping off the thing, or he's obsessed with the movie and hates himself for hating the movie and loving the movie. <laughs> there he is searching for the three parts of the Devil's Bible, trailed by the witch hunter and the woman whose house he landed again this the is same the same thing <laughs> ever since i saw sans and arachnophobia he has always been a chicken in a basket what style actor to me i don't mean? know what that means <clears throat> chicken in a basket oh, and also chicken in a basket sounds pretty great are you kidding me what like chicken, chicken in a biscuit chicken, yeah chicken Ooh. in a biscuit well also like hey here's a basket filled with chicken. chicken either they're alive and they're adorable or it's cooked and it's very tasty. He says he goes on very bad, but very more-ish. What does that it's mean? Probably and by the way, because he's dressed all in black. Okay, but it's oh, not spelled um. M-O-O-R. <laughs> it's spelled like gimme more. More-ish. Well, maybe this person doesn't know how to spell more. Hmm. As with the film it's one of those little lost gems that i have wanted to see since its initial release but was never able to he has not been able to see this in 30 years <laughs> oh is he in prison well i finally <laughs> he's out of prison. He, he, he continues i finally saw the movie after tracking it down on the horror channel and now i really wish i had saw it when i were 13 because seeing it as a 34 year old super film geek it just stinks this film is devoid of thrills or scares, and honestly, the most exciting part of this is when Sands is playing a video game with the kid from Baywatch. Fair. Laurie Singer <laughs> provides the bad makeup. She, she just she, wears it. She, she, and Richard E. Grant proves that Groundskeeper Willie isn't always animated. That's... I had to really put two together. It's another clever, clever yep. son of a bitch here. He affects are eye-poppingly bad, even for 1988, and eventually the film gets sucked up in its own absurdness. Now, did Not they a say eye-poppingly for a specific reason? Or I think so. Yeah, I saw the sequel before this, and believe me, it's a hell... <laughs> I'm a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> so bad it's boring. boring. Okay, but I also wanted to read one more. This one is bizarre to me. This is a one-star review by Ripe Peach, <laughs> oh, no. who says, surprisingly unlame. Huh. Now, at first I would go, maybe he just <clears throat> accidentally typed that one star, clicked it, and he meant 10. I don't know. But instead, he, he says... I didn't see, or she, I didn't see Warlock until 2001 and was expecting a lame-o-rama. But, barring some ropey effects, it's actually not half bad. Huh. Its strengths are that it's straightforward and unpretentious. Julian Sands is convincingly malevolent, and Richard E. Grant is, well, certainly enthusiastic. Against that, his accent is risible. It's bad enough that it makes... Mel Gibson's Braveheart dialect sound authentic. Lori Singer is decorative, but slightly out of her acting depth. She's not smart enough to play dumb and doesn't really make any attempt to play trashy. Still, there are many worse genre pieces than this out there. Give it a try. One star. Give it a try. <laughs> that, so, that's bizarre. There are worse films, those but this are the is two, the worst rating. I, I, like, <laughs> bizarre. So, all that said, hey, I think that this is a movie that Maybe ripe for rediscovery. 
I think so. There needs to be some better bad reviews than that. Oh, my goodness. Well, so maybe us- we should call some Morlock. Have some Morlock. Have some Morlock. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Dorlock? <laughs> Dorlock. Brandy. He's so funny. <laughs> well, Jack, tell us why the fuck is Warlock so great. Oh, God damn it. Um, okay. So I, 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 this movie plays to, I don't know if you have things where when you see them in movies and you feel they are well done, it's almost like it just hits a sweet spot for you. I realized I love a good, if you give me a good epic battle between hero, like obsessed hero and powerful villain, uh, Dr. Loomis going after Michael Myers, Kyle Reese facing off against the Terminator, um, even uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, which I love, <laughs> Breaker yeah. versus the Collector, I am in. And um, this with Redfern versus the Warlock, I'm 100% in. Um, I love, I think the performances by those two are phenomenal. I love Richard Grant in this movie. He is, uh, maybe I have shitty taste. I think his, his accent works for me a hundo Richard Grant is He's incredible in the movie. He's fucking great. I, I will also just please, say, please, I've, this was only his third film. So yeah, he had With Nail and I, then he had How to Get Ahead in Advertising, and then it was this, was his first Hollywood movie. Dude. And he really... Is I'm sorry, playing he, it like I'm going to be a matinee idol here. He crushes. He's great. Like, I, the thing is, I never for a moment doubt that. No, this is a dude, a witch hunter from 1691 yep. who is a fish out of water in present day. I'm like, I'm in. I buy it 100%. There is not a moment where I go, eh. And he's got hard stuff to do in yeah. this. Um, I yeah, just, he like, does. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. And this might be He has to share where... scenes with Laurie Singer. Oh, <laughs> <no>! <laughs> Oh boy! Doesn't and, get more difficult than that. Oh, and um, uh, Julian Sands as the uh, just such an eerie. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but some of the like the scene with the kid. I don't know if it hits you guys. The, Which kid? You no, know, me. Oh, sorry, Brandon the, Call. Yeah. Okay. Oh, From yeah. Step the, by the, step. Um, the I I the what I realized he looks at people not like people but like their components. I need something from you. And he's not he, he's not also just like mustache twirling. He doesn't do that until he realizes, oh, Brandon, I could use something from you. And then you see that shift. There's a beautiful moment in the scene. Uh, uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, there's a scene where the warlock is on his way to get these three parts of the, the grand the grimoire. Grim, the grand grimoire. <laughs> um, it's another thing. The guy called it Devil's Bible twice. It's like they only call it in the movie, I think, once. It's the, gr- the, grim, the grand grimoire. It's the grand grimoire, yeah. Um, but he he is just going through the coast. He's on his way, and uh, he randomly stumbles upon this kid throwing a football in the air. They strike up a conversation, fairly innocent. The kid's playing a little handheld uh, football game, and they're just talking. Oh, please, please, he's go got a ahead. great line. Oh, he does. Oh, oh, yeah. He goes, "You're punting on the first down. Nobody does that. Not, Not even, even Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay." I was like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> who's laughing now, fucker? You fucking stupid, you fucking piece of shit, kid." <laughs> But they're having a, a generally, <laughs> it seems, fairly innocuous conversation. Actually, they were the same age as Tom Brady at the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady. Um, and then there's a part where uh, there's singing from a nearby church. And the warlock asks him, whence comes it? And the kid describes, like, oh, the yeah, they're at church. And then the warlock says, wait a minute, why aren't you there? And the kid says, oh, my dad doesn't buy it. I, I love the line. The kid says, ah, oh, my dad hates all this stuff about Jesus and the 12 apostrophes. And then yes. um, I was like, oh, no. And that's and then you see this shift in his eyes of, 
I can use you. Dude, it, it is chilling. And then, um, you know, they talk about, like, you ain't no witch. You're, you're a witch. The witch of broomstick. Yeah, and he's like, I don't need a broomstick. He's like, my one. I love, and he's like, witches, witches are girls. They fly on broomstick. And he's like, I don't need a broomstick. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, shit. And then, oh, yeah, what do you need? And then he just smiles. And, and puts his hand on the kid. And yeah. just starts pushing the kid on the swing. Yeah, yeah. And then, cut. I was like, this is. And by the way, they don't even, there's no shock there, right? Like, no. it's like later on, they're like, he's. Yeah. Well, it's you not until he's know. actually in the airplane. You know, he's in the cargo hold of the airplane mm-hmm. and he's actually cooking the fat and yeah. everything and then eating it. Ugh. And then his first flight is when they open up the door and <laughs> right out of the plane. It's it's pretty mm. funny. I but also Jack to what to your point in that scene, mm. I was watching it and I'm thinking like uh from a performance perspective like that kid is really good. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Call. Yes. He's really good. Yes. And I got the vibe watching it that Julian Sands was like this kid's good. He's giving me a lot to play with, too. And he is looking at him and reacting to him exactly how you're describing it. No. It works perfect. The chemistry of those two together in that scene it's a, is really, really, really good. It's, and it's great. And it's a great moment. The, the, uh, the kid has a beautiful moment when he realizes it's the final moment when um, when the kid says, what do you need? And he starts pushing him and smiling. That kid gets the look of... I shouldn't have been talking to you. And it's a very, like, that's a hard thing, especially for a kid actor, a kid suddenly realizing I'm in danger. Yeah. And then we just cut. And you're like, uh, that one really stayed with me. So the whole thing so is beautiful. that Julian Sands is trying to collect this book that's been thirded. Yeah. Right? I and he these. goes from person to, like, place to place looking at, while well, Richard E. Grant mm-hmm. and Laurie Singer are pursuing him. Um, with the witch to, compass, to try to stop him. <laughs> I love. He's got a little bit. Of, that's another thing that I love. The heroes got gadgets that are, and a lot of the. And I mean, I'm not saying witchcraft is real, but a lot of the, a lot of the superstitions they are based on actual the fat of an, yep. uh, the fat of a, a person, uh, the burning a witch over a basket of cats, salt burning a mm-hmm. witch. They they did some research on this. Some really cool, bizarre the stuff. Pennies the, in the mouth. Pennies in the mouth. Yeah. Which so I saw a review where they're like, "Stupid, putting pennies in your mouth." I was like, "Well." was based on a real superstition um <laughs> amish yeah. mennonite mennonite i love that guy yeah, it was like so Lori singer cannot handle those pennies in her mouth she no. just she does a terrible job with them <laughs> i doubt it's the worst thing that she's ever had in her mouth <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, she borrowed her brother's ferrets <laughs> oh was it mungo and pungo or <laughs> the beast oh, i don't know what Louise. they are yeah um yeah but i it's this I just love a good epic battle. Um, you've got a you've got a very menacing villain who is slowly getting more and more powerful as he pick up as he picks up more components from people. Uh, as he gets more powerful, as he uh, uh, grabs more parts of the grimoire, and then you've got your witch hunter who's. He's a hero with a bullwhip, and I'm an Indiana Jones sucker. Yeah, but like, he fucking he does dope. some cool shit. He really and, does. And for a nerd who loves Castlevania, yes, I he, was like, he why is basically can't Simon Grant plays Simon Simon Belmont? Why can't please? this happen? This that is like I think it just hit every nerd switch where yeah. the hero has gadgets and you know salting the whip, and then um there is a the freaking nails in the ground is so oh and the footprints dope. that's a great if, scene if yeah. he leaves bare footprints you can damage the footprint and it damages him they're hammering nails in and he trips on that one part and smacks his face so she nails where his yeah. face would be i was oh. like this is the coolest scene <laughs> i love that um when I, I i saw warlock when i was a 
at least one scene I remember from Warlock when I was very young, and it has it, it scared me <gasps> so bad when I was a kid. Oh boy, you know what it is? No, I. Oh, well, the... I know you don't like. Yeah, so I have mm-hmm. a I have a problem with, I, like I've always been afraid of like surprise possessions, <laughs> and there's a great scene in the movie where he goes to uh, Mary Warrenoff. The warlock shows up at Mary Warrenoff's uh, doorstep. And she's like some you know practitioner like medium or, or spiritualist yeah. and he's like i would like to speak to a, a spirit i want you to channel a spirit zamiel and she's like sure she's like turned on by him Ooh, yeah mm-hmm. i and do grope sessions group, group I, sessions uh, i was like yes! so great and I mean, she's so good she's I great love her and so she fakes it mm-hmm. and then he's like well we'll wait for the real zamiel to get here yeah. and she puts her head down and Whoa, rises her head back up and she's a fucking demon <laughs> and when I saw that when I was it's just like the Evil Dead 2 thing mm-hmm. when he comes up and he's like possessed by a demon it fucking scared the shit out of me because her face is so fucking terrifying yeah. and I, I like was bes- beside myself as a kid when I watched it the other night to rewatch it <laughs> even then I was like God. like this <laughs> And she she does do a beautiful job where, you know, she is kind of, it's implied that she's a phony. You know, she cons people because she does do that. I am Zamiel. And he's like, no, you're not. We'll wait for it. And when she, you must cast aside all doubt. And she starts like, you see the panic in her eyes of something is happening. You can see it. And then down and up. We're like, oh. Now, this is, maybe you can talk about this a little bit. Please. The movie was released, or. Filmed in 88, yes. finished in 89, but not released until 91 um, for reasons, you know, the, the company went bankrupt, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow, I didn't. But there was also a lot of stuff that was reshot. I only know, I only know of what, you might you might know more, um, but I do know in that scene that you're talking about where the warlock is asking her to summon Zamiel, uh, when she, I don't know if she came up with a demon face, but apparently they made... She rips open her blouse, and there are the devil's eyes as her nipples, which sounds. And she also freezes. She, and if you uh, if you watch, this is very nerdy. So very if you watch Mary the Shelley. if you watch uh, one of the original trailers, there is a shot of a frozen Mary Warrenoff and him talking to her, and he was supposed to rip the nipple eyes he off and stomps her. Oh my! Her shattered, frozen corpse. He stomps the nipples, the demon eye nipples, <laughs> I, out of her. I want to see now, that. Isn't this an irony sort of thing, though? Because didn't Julian Sands play Percy Shelley in Gothic? And isn't the whole premise of, you know, or one of the ideas within Gothic is that uh, Shelley keeps having nightmares about women's breasts with eyeballs in them and everything? Oh, dude, that is weird. You know, and also, I think that movie was done after Warlock, technically. Really? Mm. Because Warlock was completed in 88, and I feel like Gothic is... Gothic's earlier than that. Is it? Yeah. I want to say that it's probably a year or two before that. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe maybe that's mm. why. Maybe Julian was like, I've already I'll done this scene, but fucking this has been done, <laughs> you bunch of sons of bitches. I'm trying to think any other... Do you know no, that, any... No, that, that's the one. That's, that's a... the like the big one. And apparently it, it, the the test screening, it, it was laughed at. I was like, oh, man, I, I, I want to see was that. It? That's that's what they said. This is the last time you saw a good titty stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I want to see that. Just the idea of like, oh, what, Frozen and... Uh, I love that Mary Warnoff was totally game for that, too. Yeah. I think that's like, incredible. I'm in. Um, 
trying to think anything. You should have seen what Warhol made me do. <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> so, hanging out with Robert Maplethorpe, you know. <laughs> jumping on the uh, jumping on the idea. She of, gave uh, him the whip, actually, though. She took Robert <laughs> Maplethorpe's whip <laughs> and gave it to Richard E. Grant. So when he stick it in his mouth, oh, it's like. Oh, no. Spitting all over himself. <laughs> Why does this taste oddly like poo? <gasps> in this village, uh, what side of the road does one drive on? The right. <laughs> Swerve. It's such a good. Uh, Perhaps you should uh, fix your eyes in forward. front of you. Forward. <laughs> oh, look at him! So <laughs> telling me, how isn't it. that fresh? I forget uh, what she says. She's like, "Hot take." Look at this. Some guy from the 17th century telling me how to. Dr- I I I don't mean to to poo poo <laughs> the performance. There's a point where I. You know what I wish? She does have a flippant, you know, sarcastic. Yeah, she's supposed to be like a cool L.A. chick. I'm too cool for this. I wish. The thing is, she never. I totally get it at the beginning of this. Like when this dude just crashes in, your roommate's been murdered. This dude in weird furs crashes in is like, witch compass. Uh, mm-hmm. You're like, OK, what the fuck's going on? I get that. But the second that you see the turning needle with nobody there and the second you see a dude rolling up with eye moving eyeballs, as yeah, him, that's when you take that shit seriously. And she never takes anything no. seriously. And this, this is super nerdy. There's a part in the movie. The one thing I, I don't hate it, but I think it could have been such a beautiful moment. And I just wish it was played differently uh it's post mennonite attack so she has seen this is real yeah she knows about the the grand grimoire she knows this is the end of the fucking world if this guy gets it and richard e grant begins explaining what's going to happen and he's like everything will be undone he will find the pages and it's it is it reminds me of like a speech you know end of the world speech and she covers her ears and starts going la 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 and i was like no 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 listen all you have to do is just listen and take in the weight of this and then make the choice. Okay, let's take this fucker down. And Are I'm you like, giving I'm, acting notes? I'm sorry, Lori Singer, uh, if you're I, out there, I, I'm sorry. Not, not, it just it breaks my heart to watch that scene to see Richard Grant like trying to. Richard it, is so goddamn good and committed. Good. And like, he, and I'm, I'm going to skip ahead yeah, and just, to, just so I can mention this part. We'll go back in kind of like chronological order, but the part where, because it's. Like, first of all, he's extremely handsome he's in this dash- movie. Like, they make him look incredible. Like, he, he looks so good in it. His his mm. blue eyes are killer. He's got, like, the just the right amount of, like, stubble on his mm. face. You, it, like, he, he's really... He, the camera loves him. Mm-hmm. And this, the fact that he's, like, previously betrothed, yeah. you know, to, like, some woman. And so they never... The hinting of like a, a romantic relationship is there, but they never, you know, it never, uh, never, never goes all the way with it. The end of the end when he, she's like, maybe you could stay here or whatever it is. Yes. He's like, I'm not one for this world. Yeah. And he, it, he doesn't kiss. She's like waiting for this kiss, and he, just, and he, he, he kisses her eyes, eyes. like the top Fuck of her yes, eyes, dude. and it's like it's so romantic yes. for the camera. Like it's like an actor is going. He is working in that scene so fucking hard. I love that you love this. Baby. I lo- and she's you know she's not really. She gives him nothing. She gives him nothing. No. I, she gives him enough. There's enough like magnetism. It's like she's like, you know. But he is so good in that moment, and he has those moments throughout the movie. Yes, I love the part because he's got a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
he, the one scene where he comes bursting into the Mennonite house <laughs> and he's like, you are vexed. Or what, what does he say? Like, yeah, it is. You're vexed. It just, th- boom, tell me right your troubles. The- tell oh. me all your troubles. Yes. Because <laughs> the guy's like, cows don't not give milk or whatever the fuck it is. So the cream's going bad. He's got, so, the, what is it? Now brute, now brute, one last time will we play the game out. When he's setting up his yes. compass. I'm like, this is so... That's such a hard line to nail. I'm like, you're fucking crushing it, Richard. Grant. He's great, and all, you know what? The uh, Julian Sands has a one incredible line. Ooh, hold on. I think okay. I know. I, no, no, no. Uh, do, you, do you want me to take a guess at yeah. it? Um, is it the scene with the priest? Tell, just go ahead. Uh, the line is. Oh, so I should give a little bit of a setup, at least I think. Yeah. Uh, he, the warlock, needs to know the final third. And he, there's a priest that knows where it is, and he's demanding him to give that information. Oh, that's right. The, by the way, or sorry, another actor that priest sucks. Oh, that oh, actor. No. That actor. He ne- he never looks like he's afraid. He never looks like the, there's anything to be afraid of. Even when he, his wife, I guess, yeah, uh, is being uh, like hand raped by, by Julian Sands, and Julian Sands, the warlock, puts his hand over her stomach, realizes you have twins. Yeah, over her breasts yeah. and then down to her Ugh. stomach. He and cups then, her breasts. God, and what like, does he say? Moves down. Uh, oh, I've got it. Yes, okay. Um, so he's basically saying, give me the information lest your children be born slugs of cold flesh. That's the line. Dude. That's the line. At that moment, I was like, holy fucking shit <laughs> this this homeboy is not charming anymore i am this guy is going to curse her unborn kids they're gonna be cold, what it, lumps of cold slugs of cold what, flesh. like it is Jesus so right you're like you got a good picture there <laughs> damn I was, and home i was like dude tell him please tell, tell him, him. <laughs> I, i'm not mad at you tell him where you're tell him where the last part is I, that's that's, that's awesome. julian tan's that's best awesome. delivery i think in the whole movie Ooh. Although in his I will, whole career, in his <laughs> although I will also say um, he the, the thing about Julian Sands. Mm. Let's talk about it for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I want to know. I want to know because I I'm just enamored with him. In this so, Chris, movie. T- you, you know, let's talk about him because okay. he is an interesting actor in in the sense that just like Jack said, he you know well what you said you know. He is not a good performer. I don't know. He he exists in this weird space. I I agree that you can't take your eyes off of him when he's in a scene. Interesting. But there's just something about his delivery. He always seems just so out of phase with everything else that's going on. And I get that in every single picture that I see him in. Um, Naked Lunch is one particular example where I just think he's... You know, and then Gothic is another one. What about Boxing Helena? Boxing uh, Helena. Well, yeah, Boxing Helena. <laughs> what about Arachnophobia? Uh, that's really one way. <laughs> oh, aggressive. You know, that's, uh, I think in one of our other podcasts when we had Rob here, we were talking about, you know, creepy crawlies. I, I said the same thing then, too. It's just there's something about Julian Sands in there where his line reads are just so fucking weird. Yeah, I kind of agree because to me, a part of me feels like he's just some hunk. You know that they cast who's who also, you know, straddles the line between masculine and feminine. And I know that there are plenty of uh, and maybe that's it. I don't know. Fans out there, male and female, that are both that both crush on him. You know, who are like, ooh, that fucking sexy Julian Sands. From a really hypercritical level, I agree with you on his performance. Like he, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sold on him being a great actor. 
Uh, I just, I'm not. But he picks interesting parts. Yeah, and in Warlock in particular, I feel like I know what he got cast. Well, you know, originally it was the other way around. Yes, yes. Richard Grant was supposed to play the Warlock. And Julian Sands would play the Witch Hunter. That's it. See, because I can see Richard E. Grant as the Warlock, but Julian Sands is the Witch Hunter. I'm like, oh, that's, especially playing like coming off from playing a drunk. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a, so. It's like, yeah, that makes sense that he would be kind of a shithead. But I, it's Steve Miner. Congratulations on being so inspired with the casting, <laughs> like and switching it around. But Julian Sands, I think, shines especially at the end when he has to. Command Dude, to Satan. I buy it. Or to God. Yes. To God. He's, he's calling out God. Yay, I know, I know thee. thee. You know, I'm like, oh shit. That's, yeah. that's some like, that's Shakespearean. He's committed. He's swinging full of fences yeah. and I dig it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, let's see. Any other, uh, goodness gracious. Uh, uh, oh, one thing I do love. Um, mm. Oh, I geeked out. Just all of the, you know, the slow discovering, the the witch, uh, the witch history, all the different tools he has. Um, the final, oh, the final showdown. Uh, it's kind of a, it's got a nice, like, not, I, I don't want to use the word globetrotting because it's all in pretty much America. But you have all these different beautiful locations that they go to. And then one obvious set. Set. Which <laughs> I, I, I like kind of cheesily love. Yeah, the, I, the I love how they're, not, they're knocking tombstones over. They're they, falling they're over falling, like Ed Wood props. Bink, yeah, bing, bing. Yeah. But I do. Oh, man. I love poor dudes. We love the hero and he's face to face with his. Okay. That's. Do not. You don't like. I don't. Because he is completely fearless. That. You know what? He sees his own bones. Sees his. Not even. That is true. The concept of his own bones. That is. Because he's like, I shall not look. (laughs) He's like so afraid, Richard Grant, of of his dumb corpse. Now, I buy all of the the acting from Richard E. Grant. Sure. But but that seems like not. Act, like off point. Oh, you know what? Uh, and even to reinforce that he's fearless, the rule is you cannot look in the warlock's eyes with fear, or your fucking eyes are going to bleed. Right, like the poor Mennonite. Like Mennonite. And Richard E. Grant is laser locked on Julian Sands' yeah. eyes. So maybe, maybe he's not scared of the warlock, but he is it's scared the of one die. thing. Yeah, it's I'm the, with well, you. Why would he be afraid of death? Like he jumped no, into some no weird, way. crazy there's whirlwind. There's no way. I do he agree. Goes barging in everywhere the warlock is, he fucking throws things. <laughs> You know, but, oh, that's another thing. The whole airplane boarding sequence is a beautiful little nugget with of the fucking like, weather time. vane on there. They try to take the weather vane away from him over my rotting corpse. <laughs> but you're like the the whole concept of they show up at the airport. They go, I would like to buy a ticket for an airplane right now. They do it. I got the, a bullwhip. I got it. And I mean, the this credit is... card machine. They run the transaction. Yep. It doesn't go through because they she unplugs, she like unplugs it, it yeah. and she's like, well, I guess we get to go through. You know, and, and then they go and they're carrying whips and fucking weather vanes <laughs> and they're bored. It's like, wow, what a. Hey, what it's pre-September. A, I know. That's what true. a sign of the times. Like, the, and hey, dude, smoking on an airplane. Smoking yeah. on an airplane. Smoking on an airplane. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Eating baby fat on an airplane. <laughs> I do like that he is freaking out about being on an airplane, Richard Grant. Now that. And I, he's like, I'm used to the floor being beneath my feet, but directly beneath my fear or whatever and he also says. like he says the only people that aspire to fly are witches yeah i was like yeah i like this i like this a lot. These poor guy's having a like uh nightmare at what's the twilight zone the nightmare, nightmare at twenty thousand feet. feet so yeah he's having a time where oh man what if he opened the window and it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes that'd be great there's um, a warlock on the wing oh <laughs> <laughs> something 
I love Gilligan's Island. Um, it's Julian Sands. <laughs> it's John Lithgow. <laughs> I'm here to say that happened to me too. <laughs> hey, happened to me too. Who's the pilot? Oh, it's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yes, what is some really scary? That the midnight. It's oh no, we were imploding oh, on references, no. you guys. Oh! <laughs> Julian Sands plan the whole time. Oh my gosh. He unmade the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just it's uh I don't know if it, it's the the performances of those two and and all the people they meet along the way. I love the Mennonite dude, I love the family there. Um I, I don't know if it's the I love that the Mennonite, the Amish Mennonite, like he completely he's like by hundred percent yeah. buys it. I, I dig it. But, I mean, I, I, like, he sees the signs. It's a warlock. Yep. <laughs> I love that. And I love that his kids well, are like, didn't what are you talking he, about? Yeah, he painted the hex sign yes! on the side of the And house. that's how they see it. They're like, what the? Yes. I, I do. I, I have a question for Steve Miner, though. <gasps> Why did you set an entire set piece, warlock, warlock and witch hunter battle in the fucking bright daylight? Like, no clouds, no atmosphere, just like bright, harsh light it's like you can see the cables it's so like now interestingly the visual effects they they fired the original people that were doing the visual effects i believe was dream quest and they had a who i also think were involved in jaws 3d and were also fired um and replaced with a subpar visual effects company so kind of weird. That's probably the biggest criticism I would have for the movie. I mean, aside from well, that's certain performances. I'm with you. Yeah, there's but, some. You know, there's the, I feel like the effects, the optical let, effects. Yeah, let, and some of the, yeah, the, the optical effects. We won't criticize the makeup effects because it's unfair to do so. Yeah. Um, not their fault. I think they worked their asses off for it. Um, and somebody, <laughs> <laughs> you know, typical actor behavior. Not my nose. Fucking actors. But. Uh, <laughs> I think the visual effects of the movie let every like the the movie down. Okay, but that's not the point. It's mm. a, a lot of fun. Yeah. I have one thing I would like to say. <gasps> Please. Right now. Right here, right now. Okay. I want to see a warlock reunion <gasps> with Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant. And Richard E. Grant. Oh my gosh. I want I want it. Wait, you don't want Lori Singer too? How about we just have Mark Singer come on, just like as for funsies? Let's let's have He's Mark Singer, wonderful, amazing Shakespearean actor. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Oh. I want to see a, a sequel. It can be a reboot, reimagining. It can be a Star Wars thing where it's basically a remake of the first movie, but it still exists. With those two back, why not? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet you Julian's gotten better. I know Richard's gotten better. He's like crushed. They're, he's they're just crushing. incredible. I want to see it. <laughs> and I want to see it right now. I have a I have a crazy and, and I I I don't know. There there may not come. You can we might cut this. Um, uh, Steve Miner is a wonderful director. And I don't want to take anything away from him. There's something to the film where I was wondering, um, the like kind of campy crazy comedy i almost could you imagine if some like it had sort of a sam raimi energy to it I, and again i don't want to i don't want to criticize because it's it's beautifully shot and yeah directed. it's fine it I, would tip into I a felt, different kind i felt of that way like because you know you if if we compare them to chris your choice of conan you know which yeah. is I, I don't i think i'm yeah conan was shot anamorphic so mm-hmm. like 
something I was noticing about Warlock is how it's kind of shot. Um, the camera's very close up on a lot of things. It's true, it's not true. it's not like a really stylish film. It's true, very yeah. kind of like it's it's fine. It's, it's it's almost journeyman kind of like all right. Yeah, which uh, is kind of weird because Steve Miner, if you watch his earlier movies, like the, believe it or not, Friday two and three, mm-hmm. Friday thirteenth two and three, they're kind of auteurish in nice. the in the filmmaking. Like in part three in particular, he uses a Luma crane to like incredible effect wow. and like the whole movie has this like um flowing uh kind of uh, vibe to it that warlock didn't quite have so it's like i'm not sure what was going on like, yeah there's something to it where it, I... yeah I, w- I i i i would have liked to have seen because i'm not sure if also the tone uh with steve minor mm. if it's steve minor's fault or if it's like people like Laurie Singer's fault, you know, like for kind of mishandling some of the comedy. Because mm. um, Richard Grant does it great. Yes. You yeah. know, and then some people don't. So I, I don't, I never blame an actor really for things. Director gets the blame, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, I, I would be curious to see if either Steve Miner had the resources to be a little more stylish or True. if another stylish director would have done it, um, how it would have looked like. But those are hypotheticals. They don't yeah, exist. Yeah, as yeah. it is, the movie is. Highly entertaining. So if we're going to recast this movie today, who would fill these roles? It would be uh, Julian, Julian Sands, Sands and, and Richard, Richard Grant. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, I, it's something nobody I don't else know. could play these parts. No, I, I think I could I, watch him chase that warlock down. Uh, give me, I'll watch it every day. Yeah, I give think me a new movie. Be, actually, or give me a new adventure. Could you imagine Julian Sands flying through the air on a walker? And Richard E. Grant <laughs> behind him in a wheelchair with a bullwhip around his ankle and being pulled along. I would love to see. I, I would love to see those two do it. Yeah. So Old if Grizzly. you're listening, and I know you are, guys, you and love then Bruce show. Payne Actually, falls, falls, and then Bruce and, Payne, like, Bruce Payne, get the fuck out of here. Now there are two other Warlock movies: uh, Warlock the Armageddon <laughs> and uh, Warlock End of Innocence, which is I'm pretty sure a fucking Yikes. Enigma song. <laughs> It's the end of innocence. And, you know, and by the way, speaking of overstylized or, you know, the Warlock 2 has Anthony Hickox as the director. And that camera is like so intrusive. I mean, it's like whirling around doing all sorts of crazy shit. I can see the inside of your colon. (laughs) (laughs) But also Julian Sands kind of does like totally dumb shit in Warlock 2 where he like turns the one dude into a a fucked up painting and he goes right definitely a Picasso. Picasso and you're like how the fuck would you know yeah it, it, like when he comes back from the 17th century in the first movie he's really like what the fuck am I yeah he just like he does, that's a hard that that's a menacing fish out of water just I love like, that they do that because is this the year? I'm more familiar believe it or not with part two Interesting. In some stupid way. I have not seen part two in a while, so yeah. it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Well, he plays, he's very campy in part two. Oh. And he's like, oh, this is my thing, is I, I do funny puns and tricks. No, that's. Of, cool. And it's like, no. <laughs> he didn't have I'm any. an Elizabethan Freddy Krueger. That's really he's what like, it is. No, that's exactly no, what And, and no. that's wrong. Because, you know, we didn't mention this. The first kill of his Damn. is actually really upsetting or like unsettling yeah there's a, a laurie singer's roommate mm-hmm. who is i, I guess I, I guess is uh, a gay man yeah um which I, I like was lost on me at first until i was like oh he's julian sand starts flirting with him while he's 
cooking dinner, chopping up. He's wearing this big ring. Yeah, yeah. Scorpion. And he's like flirting with him. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, I kind of, I'm kind of into it. Yeah. You know, and like this is kind of cool and, and fine. And out of nowhere, dude. Julian Sands fucking comes, cuts the dude's finger off with his with his cutting knife, Ooh. and the guy, like the the scene is. Unlike any other scene in the movie, he's looking at his, like, cut-off finger, and he's, like, not saying anything. He's, like, completely in in shock, and he's looking at Julian Sands like, wait, wait, why? why?" And it goes on for so long before he starts to, like, scream. And it's, uh, like, kind of a disturbing death where you're like, yuck. And then he, like, bites his tongue out and then spits on the frying pan. On the frying pan. Poor, uh, a little, uh, did you see when he lifted him up? The poor, it was was great. The guy standing. Oh, he hits his head on the doorknob. And that was real. I was like, oh, homeboy just knocked his, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And they stay in it. It's like, oh, good on you, man. Yeah. The guy, great performance. Yeah, it is. It is. So give us some uh, give us some uh, dead city tallies. Jack. Oh goodness, uh, dead city tallies. Uh, you've got uh, one of the most badass heroes ever, bull whip, witch hunting tools. You've got uh, terrifying warlock. You've got a cup of hot child fat. You've got, uh, you've got possessed spiritualist exploding crystals. You've got uh, diabetic set up and pay off needles. You've got uh, try salt water fuck brain. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Questionable graveyard sets that are kind of charming. You've got uh, twirly ghost, uh, twirly ghost tornadoes. You've got uh, crazy Mennonites. You've got a uh, basket of cats. You uh, got a salted bullwhip uh, spouting hero, and you've got a kind of beautiful romantic ending. Really, it is. It is really good. Like is it the, is a great little moment. Oh man, his his little uh, tombstone. I forget the. I shall remember you always in this time and forevermore and then like, she, by the way and then she goes like what does she go oh she oh, goes oh yeah and then there's like another one other line fuck what is it i i wish i remembered because i was like oh, that is man. such a fucking goofy cynical like funny ending where she's like redford yeah she's like oh well maybe there's another guy or like it's it's, it's like i know this guy i forget what it is she just goes oh <laughs> i think it was that all like oh <laughs> Um, I will say I do like the final moment. It's pretty. So the the the, the idea is that uh, you know witches cannot uh, they cannot handle salt. Salt burns them. Uh, <gasps> oh right. please, please no, you, you say it. no. Oh, I was just gonna say I just remembered it. I'm like yeah. Um, she goes all the way out to yeah. Utah. Well, it's a great it's a beautiful final moment because okay, your threat is the warlock. This thing and they they they're able to kill him. Salt water injected and then he burns. Of great effects with fireworks coming out of him. Like sweet. Um, and then uh, it is pretty cool practical work. It, I it's like the little spark shooting out of his hands and his neck. That's real. Uh, yes, I was like, oh, Julian, watch your beautiful face. <laughs> yeah, watch out, That's buddy. like having a fucking sparkler by your yes. Neck. Holy shit! I was like, way to go, man. Um. <sighs> um he gets paid by the bee sting. Oh, oh, Tony Todd. <laughs> um, but there's a beautiful. Uh, so you've got this moment of relief that okay, the warlock is dead. Uh, Richard E. Grant has has taken his journey. Redfern's taken his journey back home. The movie is oh shit. The fucking Grand Grimoire is right there, and they establish you cannot destroy this thing. I love the uh, they stab it, they cut it, and it just <laughs> seals right yeah. back up. I was like, dope. So, yeah. well, how was it separated in the first place? 
you son of a bee. Oh, I wonder. I think you can take pages. Oh, but you can't destroy the individual pages. Exactly. I think okay. that's the the okay. That's the kind of the concept. Sure. You're like I'll buy Convenient. it. Sure. Yeah. So you can you can you can separate it, but you can't destroy the individual pages. The okay. Whole okay. So it's great. She looks down, and I think that's another reaction where she's like, "Oh boy." It's like no. Ah. Um, so this is pretty dope. She takes it and drives to the middle of Bonneville Salt Flats. Bonneville Salt Flats. And you know that that's what it is it. because the camera backs up and shows a giant <laughs> fucking sign in the middle of the Salt Flats that would not be there. <laughs> that like, probably, I think we got it. I got I I <laughs> bet I bet that was a note. I I, I guarantee be, it was. I there, guarantee some money guy was, was like, like oh, how are they going to know? How can we can we have a sign? He's like oh, fuck sure. Hi, we're hi. I'm we'll a, I'm my name's Stefan. I'm with Vidmark and uh <laughs> We don't. What's this? Uh, what's, I mean, I know what salt looks like, but what is this field of cocaine? <laughs> Why doesn't she just snort it, <laughs> Stefan? It's not fucking cocaine. Just because it's the eighties. <laughs> just because you're obviously a cokehead. <laughs> well, I still want it fixed. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's uh, just a. If they don't know. You might have hundreds of people flocking up there trying to snort the sand. <laughs> You gotta tell him we'll get sued. <laughs> so that is the drive in totals. It's nice. a just a beautiful, fun, epic battle. Good versus evil. Warlock. Yes. Oh, now now what the hell did he do? I don't see anything. Hey, maybe he exploded himself. Bort? Yes? Okay, are you still here? What? Son of a bitch. I think I've got an idea to get rid of him. Uh, did somebody call my name? Hey, uh, getting any work done out there? You clean the bathrooms, maybe? <laughs> Grand Wizard Bolt cleans no man's latrine. Listen, if you don't want to be here, why don't you just leave? Well, the smell of poppet corn is intoxicating. I want to live in the butter machine. Yeah, okay, all right, Wizard Fuckface. My name is Bolt. I challenge you, Bort, to a spell war. What's this? A challenge from a pink sack of fleshy nothing like yourself? Yeah, okay, well, speaking of sacks, it's time to put your spells where your mouth is. I accept. I require a unicorn and a fortnight to prepare. You are not getting a unicorn, you fucking pervert. Yeah, and you got an hour to prepare. An hour? No unicorn? This does not suit me to my utmost, but I shall accommodate. Very rad. Loser gets the hell out of the drive-in. And the winner gets to copulate with mine wife, the sorceress Thumbholes. Your wife is named Thumbholes? Mm. Dude, you're a piece of shit. It matters not. You shall never get the chance to present your silent flute to her bower of bliss. I will pummel thee with necromancy the likes of which you never have seen. Okay, fine. Whatever you say. How about a preview of things to come? Rock'em, sock'em, Robotron times three. Ha-ha! How does it feel to stare into the face of a man who now needs no sundial to tell time? Fine. Okay, now get the hell out of here so we can finish our show. By the breath of the sacred dragon, my countenance shall dwindle. I shall make myself small to the size of a thimble. What an asshole. We've got Conan the Barbarian from Chris. We've got Warlock from Jack. We've got one more choice here. What we got from Brandon? Well, what did you pick, Brandon? I want to know. I want to know. Yeah, tell us, tell us. I've picked um, Brandon, Brandon. a little bit of a different film. <laughs> My film 
is Ghoulies. <laughs> what? Jonathan is having a housewarming party. Whoa! What do you guys want to do? Well, we could play hide and go seek. Yeah. What about Trivial Pursuit? Yeah. yeah. Trip. Poker. Yeah. <laughs> I got an idea. Let's do a ritual. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself. Hey, knock it off. Come. I order thee. Unfortunately, there will be some surprise guests. <laughs> they have very bad manners. And they have no respect for privacy. Wake up the neighbors. What the hell's in there? And they never take no for an answer. Oh, man, that chick is really a screamer. <laughs> Ghoulies. They'll get you in the end. Ghoulies! Copyright 1984, released stateside in 85. Jack, Chris, it has been said that Ghoulies is a Gremlins ripoff. A cash-in? A knockoff? Okay, however, there's one major difference between the two films. And that is Satan! <laughs> Satan. <laughs> so the movie is 1984. It was uh, directed by Luca Bercovici. Luca Bercovici! Uh, also written by Luca Bercovici. Luca Bercovici! And his writing partner, Jeffrey Levy. Um, <laughs> Luca Bercovici! Jeffrey Levy. <laughs> Hi, Jeffrey Levy here. No, it's, it, no, no, it's Jeffrey. Jeffrey, Jeff- but it is an interesting spelling. Jeffrey Levy. It's uh, a Heffery. 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 Levy. Levy. Maybe it's Levy. Levy. It is Satan. Satan. So the movie stars Peter Leopis, Lisa Pelican, <laughs> Pelican, Michael DeBar, and Jack Nance. That Jack Nance? That Jack Nance. That Jack Nance. <laughs> you got Fellas. no future, Jack. There was a fish in the percolator. Eraserhead <laughs> right himself. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, IMDb synopsis. I don't feel that the synopsis <laughs> does the movie justice. A young man, like 35, and his girlfriend move into an old mansion home hmm. where he becomes possessed by a desire to control ancient demons. Now, is an old mansion home where old mansions go when they retire? <laughs> oh. I've got to go. Can I get a rim shot? A rim shot. Oh, sorry. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> uh, Ghoulies is about 1984. Look, I think what people know about Ghoulies is it's about little rubber puppet gremlin ripoffs. But the movie's actually about wizardry and sorcery more than anything else and it's about that amazing fucking poster that poster art for ghoulies is probably some of the best ever i want to ask you guys right now is there no more effective image in vhs (laughs) history than the cover of ghoulies can you guys think of a more iconic vhs cover than ghoulies I'm talking, let's just stick to genre here. I mean, it's up there. I I could probably, if I thought about this for a while, there'd be some. I I mean, there's nothing that immediately comes to mind. I think that there probably are some. I don't, 
Let's put it this way, Brandon. Every day that I go and I drop a deuce, <laughs> you it, lo- it looks it looks just it. like that cover. <laughs> <laughs> it climbs out wearing little suspenders. Exactly. That this uh not to interrupt, that was uh this is my first time having seen ghoulies oh holy shit you were a ghoulies virgin i i'm a gremlins diehard so i was like ah it's a gremlins ripoff critters whatever and and the cover made me the, and I, the cover is beautifully evocative but it was the shirt and suspenders that made me think because you know the gremlins wear little outfits all the yeah. time so i was like yo this is just a gremlin and then the movie slapped me in my face and it was like it's satan i'm like well, I wouldn't sign up for this. There are no ghoulie. Hey, guys, there are no ghoulie outfits. No, they there's are, no ghoulie outfits. They are totally nu- naked. They're nude and yep. covered in lube. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> they are really disgusting. They're so wet. They are I gross. K.Y. ghoulies. gross. K-Y ghoulies. From John Beekler's personal collection of K.Y. jellies <laughs> comes ghoulies. <laughs> well, here's, you know. The, the interesting. Oh, um, obviously, so the movie is produced by the great Charles Band. Who, Checky Band, Full Moon. Yep. Who Empire you know, Pictures? Empire Pictures. I mean, the, his list of uh, movies that he's graced us with through the eighties um, are are almost endless. And into the nineties, man. Full and moon. into the nineties, and he's still going strong today. Um, well, strong being <laughs> relative. <laughs> um, the movie, actually, interestingly enough, started out as a movie called Beasties. That uh, he so Charles Band was good friends with Stan Winston, and Stan Winston worked on Charles Band's 3D film Parasite. He did the effects for that, and around that time they started developing. They were like, "Oh, what if we we should make a movie called Beasties?" And so Stan's like drawing these little monsters, and he's like, "Yeah, they'll look like this." Apparently, they look nothing like how they ended up looking, but that was the whole idea was to make some like special effects movie about beasties this is probably like 82 83 of course gremlins goes into production and charles band is like well now's the time to make beasties you know like now's the time but he can't afford stan winston anymore so they kind of go another direction with it and that is hiring luca Bercovici and his writing partner who goes look i got an idea for a movie set in one location that we can make for nothing and we'll and Richard Band's like, can it be a ripoff of Gremlins? <laughs> and he's like, eh, it's more about Satan. We can stick some puppets in there. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we'll like, put yeah, some fucking puppets, puppets in. <laughs> yeah, fine, fine. Great, we're going to call it Ghoulies. And that's what happened. It, it, it was a huge success. Obviously, because of that ad campaign, it was huge, huge success. There's a whole... And it, it led directly to... Ghoulies too. The creation of <laughs> Empire <had> <laughs> Empire Pictures, which became a factory, you know, that just churned out these posters first, <laughs> movie second. That's like the rule for Charles Band. If you got a great poster campaign, we throw a fucking we'll figure out what the movie is later. We do pre sales on the posters. That's amazing. And then we'll figure out what it is. Which is a grand tradition in Hollywood. Yeah. Here's another interesting little tidbit about this movie. It started like Parasite as a three D film. And then it ended up, after two days of photography, they're like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't think we want to see anything coming out of a toilet in 3D. <laughs> well, they didn't even get that far, because that the toilet-popping ghoulie was not part of principal photography. It was after the movie was done being filmed that they came up with the idea for that ad campaign. It was somebody else, not Charles Band. It was another uh, an illustrator, a graphic designer, stoned off his ass, came up with it, with the tagline of, 
they'll eat your ass. <laughs> no. Yep. Oh, my God. And Charles Band was like, we can't. No, we can't do that. But he loved the image of a ghoulie coming out of a toilet. Well, we're going to do a porno version of this where they say they'll eat your ass. So he comes back to the guy a couple like week, days later or whatever, and the guy goes, okay, so you don't want to use that title. I've got another idea. They'll, they'll eat you, your pooper. They'll... <laughs> <laughs> he came up with a very clever title. They'll get you in the end. Oh, and that's beautiful. that, along with that evocative image, did it Does for that not. movie. I love ghoulies. <laughs> it's, I love ghoulies. I love it. But I'm not... There are people who do not love ghoulies. Uh, and there's one person in particular that left a pretty interesting review. Uh, maybe, Chris, you could do us the favor of reading said review. Check the math. <laughs> it don't add up by Jesse Gehrig. And this was uh, written, or at least it was post uh, posted... In uh, October of 2014. Do you know how hard it is to refinance your home? <laughs> it's how hard it's it is not, to not. get a business loan. An estimated million dollars was pooled together to make this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> this movie could have be become five remodeled homes or a dentist office or a burger joint. Instead, it became ghoulies. I mean, what does that mean? Is that a knock against the human race? You know, like proof that we're all a bunch of pieces of shit? Wow. If you had a million dollars, would you spend it on ghoulies? I mean, you could buy a house and pay off your student loans and still have a fortune left to put into savings for retirement. Does this movie seem like a better idea? Are you sure? Yeah, well, Jesse Garrig, I think everybody that contributed the million dollars to Ghoulies is laughing their way to the fucking bank. You said it's a huge it's success. It's a fucking, like, it made probably $100 million. I, I would, <laughs> if, if, if you got to employ people and all make a lot of money and wound up with more than the million, yes, I, I think it's a great investment. Yeah, obviously. That's how films get made. That's the whole fucking point. Your entire argument. Five remodeled homes? How about 105 remodeled homes? Sure. A dentist office? How about an orthodontist's office, huh? A burger joint? No, it's a poke restaurant. Now. Ooh. Yes. Suck it, Jesse! <laughs> Look, Jesse, Garrett, you're an idiot. Okay, the... The, uh... And, and for the record, it's not hard to refinance your home. All you have to do is call up your fucking broker. It, it's it's really... It's it's a very simple process. Why is Ghoulies great? Why is Ghoulies... Well, I'll fucking tell you! The very first thing is a close-up of Ghoulies' teeth! That's the fucking first thing you see in the movie is a bunch of Ghoulies' mouths drooling, dripping snot. The movie is actually a who's who of behind the scenes people. This was kind of fascinating to me. So obviously you got the band bros. So Richard and Charlie. That's right. Richard is the composer who composed a store along with Shirley Walker. Yes. Who also took over for Danny Elfman with mm -hmm. Batman and Batman she also, the animated series. Shirley Walker. She also did uh, Space Above and Beyond. 
Yeah, I know she was. Uh, that's one note, and not to bring it back to Warlock, but all three of our movies. Well, that's the idea. <laughs> I just about me, me, me. No, no, no about uh, Warlock was composed with Jerry Goldsmith. That's right, and Poltergeist and Rambo, the and great Jerry Goldsmith and Planet of the Apes, Gremlins One and Part Two, Planet of the Apes. What's that? Planet of the Apes. That's yep. Right. Alien. So beautiful. All three of these movies have beautiful. I mean, Conan is more of an epic, and Warlock's nice excellent and creepy, scores, eerie, wonderful, including Ghoulies. Wonder, legit. I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, Shirley Walker. And then uh, Richard Band did all the, a lot of Full Moon Reanimator. That's puppet, right. Puppet Masters, like some damn good music That's in these right. movies. Sorry to sidebar. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, Mac Alberg, who is like a Full Moon classic. DP classic, um, and a bunch of other stuff as well. He's the one that helped uh, make Reanimator what it is. Yeah. That's right. Ted Nicolau was the editor, who is also a Full Moon staple, uh, who directed just tons of stuff for them. Uh, Peter Manugian worked on the film. He ended up directing Seed People. These are just some names that I recognized when I was watching the credits. Um, of course, John Carl, uh, John Carl Beekler, the late, great John Carl Beekler, special effects mastermind, who has some interesting crew members on this. Uh, Chris Biggs, John Vulich, Everett Burrell. Vulich. Vulich, excuse me. Um, and they went on to Everett Burrell and Vulich Optic Nerve. Optic Nerve, That's which right. then got bought by that other dipshit. Who? What's the guy? He's, he's on Face Off. Oh, Glenn. Yeah, whatever that guy is. Okay. Well, um, these are the first guys that actually designed zombies on computers. That's right. They did all that. That is right. For for Night of the Living Dead remake. And of course, Howard Berger was an additional ghoulie puppeter. Puppeteer. Uh, And then another one that I noticed was a guy named Jeff Broadstreet, who has a great name. He was a PA on the movie. He ended up doing a Night of the Living Dead 3D remake. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Jack Nance (laughs) is in the movie, you guys. Wolfgang? But you did not ask me what kind of dog it was. He um, starts off as a, you know, clean-shaven cherubic. Is that how you say the word? Cherubic or cherubic? How do you say that word? Eh, Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Okay. Uh, And then, you know, by the end of it, is a bearded (laughs) lunatic. (laughs) Um, And Jack Nance is barely in the movie, but... uh, his presence is felt throughout. Let's just leave it at that. And I, I want to talk about something in a minute. I think because I think we okay. I think we're gonna have this same moment. All right. So another thing about the movie, the performances are actually they're they're good. Like yes, the, the character the the people are likable. Like they are. Isn't that one guy from Police Academy in there? Scott Thompson from Police Academy. I think that they're all they're all like they all are in the scenes. Talking about like acting for the movies, they're all playing the scenes whether they're directed well or not i'm not sure but they are playing it committed everybody including somebody else that we'll get to in a second here scott thompson (laughs) break dances at a party in the movie uh you know the whole idea is this guy and his girlfriend come to this house he his father was uh is a now dead warlock who would perform child sacrifices in the basement? Um, and Is his Jack, name Julian Sands? And Jack Nance steals his this little baby boy away, and now the man has grown up and he has inherited his father's estate. But he is drawn; he is inexplicably drawn to the demonic, uh, the, the sorcery and black magic that is everywhere throughout this house, and um, he has a 
a couple of parties, and he brings his friends in for one party, and they're all wet and wild, and Scott Thompson starts doing a dance and break dance and spills pills and joints all over the place. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, Is he doing, like, the Crispin Glover dance? He does do a curly shuffle at one point. That's right. He starts going, which is actually prophetic for what happens later on in the film. Um, where there's a bunch of shuffling going on. Uh, Every day I'm shuffling. <laughs> the movie has fucking satanic rituals galore. All right, Satan. it's like nothing but Satan. praying to Satan and Payman, and they name check so many demons in this movie. I lost count. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean every demon you can imagine, including Payman from Hereditary. So like, what's up? Um, at one point. The main character, Jonathan, he gets caught performing a satanic ritual by his girlfriend. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help but kind of be like, it, this is like the 80s horror version of like your girlfriend walking in on you jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Whoa, whoa. She's, she's great, too. Like, I like her. She's understanding. I love you, Jonathan, I, but I don't the, want this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're playing it. That's great. Yeah. It's like, please, so don't, does he don't wind up with black balls me. or what? <laughs> His testicles are eyeballs, and she stomps them out of him. <laughs> um, and Mary Warrenoff walks in and says, I'll take those, and then just leave. Gimme! Uh, after she forgives him temporarily, they are in bed, and he starts, like, sexy-talking her, but he's do- He's saying, like, <laughs> Diabolus Secundorum. And she's like, what are you saying? What are you saying? And she's like, what the fuck? Penis erectum. <laughs> Biggest dickus <laughs> erectum nowum. Another another thing I love about this movie is again it's so eighties. It's like full of neon satanism. That's the way I'm going to call it. Mm. There is neon satanism. That should be the title of your book. Yeah, well, it's the name of my uh, my weird so- German electronic band. There you go. <laughs> there are throughout the movie demonic like green neon green eyes. You've got uh, blue, glowing neon blue pentagrams, pink teleportation, red eye lasers, and orange tornadoes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's fucking, the colors are incredible. And they're the not movie. even in Miami. It's amazing. They are all, everything is a different color. Like, that was a choice that somebody made. They're like, no, the eye lasers obviously have to be uh uh, red. Oh, purple Triton lasers. Oh, purple yeah. Triton. Triton lasers are purple and purple beep, beep. only, and everybody knows it. So, Fred, redo it. Redo the effect. It's not green. The eyes are green. Are you doing your impression of Luca? Yeah. Luca Bergovici's like, listen, dude. He is. He's very like. I tried listening to this commentary. Yeah. I fucking fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> So this is because he's such a compelling actor, you know. It's like he's classic asshole. Man, nineteen eighty four. Let's just watch the scene. So I was learning my lines for American Flyers while I was directing this. (laughs) And uh, that's right, Luca Bergovici is an actor. I believe he's actually in Parasite. Is he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's one of the stars of Parasite. Unless I'm getting him confused with Zalman King. Who are, they are Did like red shoe diaries. Yeah, they are like interchangeable to me. Salman King and Luca Bercovici are like the same guy. All right, so there's a scene in the movie where uh, you know the Jonathan's conjured up these ghoulies. 
but also uh, he's really reaching like he's got a terrain in his basement. He's doing these awesome satanic rituals, making it rain. Mm-hmm. He, he really, you know, does some 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 interesting things. Uh, he throws a, a satanic dinner party uh, where he <laughs> insists that everybody wear different types of sunglasses. <laughs> Okay, so when you watch the movie, you're like, no, what the fuck? But this is back to my thing earlier. There was a reason for that. And that reason was when the characters put on the sunglasses, the, the audience, audience is supposed to put on their glasses. They're 3D glasses. Oh, so the first things they shot were this dinner party where everybody's putting on their glasses. And eventually they were like, no, no, we can't do that. And they're like, well, now it's just fucking really bizarre. But it adds to the charm. There's like insane stuff sunglasses in the oh, movie. the one guy's got the windshield wiper sunglasses and he's like why do we have to wear these stupid things like, wait did you, did you, you bought it you bought him <laughs> or, or dick that is his name it's <gasps> perfect oh, dick what's dick. his line he has a line in the movie oh goodness gracious okay so uh the character of dick uh is rather a ladies man and his first line in the movie caught me off guard and again the first time i saw it i paused the movie rewound the movie turned the subtitles on to make sure uh (laughs) the line is exactly this so for anybody that hasn't seen it dick is uh he's a uh, fancies himself a ladies man and this is at the first party Mm -hmm. so the line is you should have seen the quim i poked last night So two things about that. The word quim. Wow. Popularized, right, by Joss Whedon? What? Yeah. In, yeah. in the Avengers? <laughs> yes. Mewling quim. But also that what? line. That line. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Loki says it to the Black Widow. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, pump okay. your brakes, Loki. But also, That's I know a very, very old, old word, too. Quim. Brian Cox like, uses ew. that in uh, in Rob Roy. Really? Oh, God. Yeah, when he's talking uh, to... Um, Shit, Liam Neeson's dick? No, Mister Mister Roth. His <laughs> big flop, Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. Oh, Tim okay. Roth. Yeah, when he's talking to Tim Roth, somebody's dick is in that movie, right? So, yeah, he's like Dicky Floppy, right from the kilt and stuff. <laughs> Dicky Floppy. So you had to rewatch. I, ha- I was like, did I just hear the word quim? <laughs> I and missed that. Dude, please rewatch. And also, that line is in perfect iambic pentameter. Holy shit. You should have seen the quim I poked last night. Wow. I was like, wowie zowie. That's like, I got an itch to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the Lost Shakespeare folio, I believe. Of course. <laughs> Julian no, Sands. Julian Sands. Great Sands. <laughs> Don't get, uh, oh my gosh. As you like get it. Mark Singer to say In the it. butt. Oh, yeah, Mark Singer, oh, Mark Singer, Mark could, Singer could probably could say that because he's a great Shakespearean actor. He's great. Taming of the Shrew. There is a zombie warlock resurrection. Try that again, Brandon. There is a. (laughs) No, I get it because you're getting excited about it because that was dope. A zombie warlock resurrection sequence that I like. Okay, again, this is another movie like Warlock. I saw this part when I was a kid. I was allowed to rent Ghoulies when I was a child. It's PG-13. This scene scared me so bad. And I don't know. Like watching it now, I'm like, oh, because it's weird. There doing the satanic spell and then suddenly everybody starts screaming everybody everybody at the dinner party wearing these sunglasses starts screaming the ghoulies start screaming and then all of a sudden this fucking zombie puppet explodes <laughs> from the ground and starts screaming and it scared the shit out of me they cut back to a ghoulie screaming then they cut back and it's michael debar in full 80s 
beautiful blue 80s zombie makeup (laughs) screaming it goes on for like 45 seconds of just people screaming and it's it's awesome. This scene, that scene's that scene scared me last night. <laughs> when that, I was like, "Oh shoot! Oh, holy fuck!" Like that puppet. Why bursting. is that zombie's mouth so big? I don't like that. <laughs> uh, like, and it is. It's very off-putting with all the screaming, and you're going. It already puts you. You're not at ease, and all of a sudden, boom! From the ground, I was like, "Oh, oh no!" <laughs> yeah. It turns into a supernatural slasher film about an hour into the movie, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Like, after the ghoulies are resurrected, Michael DeBar shows up. Uh, all of these people at this party kind of go off their separate ways to, like, go get laid and to go do what they need to do. And at this point, it turns into, for me, the best – what I love about the best Friday the 13th movies <laughs> is it suddenly you've got these characters who are, like, archetypes who are fun. You know, you're like, oh, there's that guy and there's that guy and this chick and this girl – and, like, you're ready to see them all get decimated, you know, like, killed, whatever you need to see. And it it, it happens. Um, you got Bobby Brees shows up. You cult actress queen Bobby Brees with a big killer tongue. I don't know. Again, I – oh, wait, no. It's Michael DeBar in disguise as, as a, yes. a chicken lingerie <laughs> who, like, seduces Dick. Dick. Who's just gotten laid, by He's, the way. Uh, yep. On his way down to like what, grab some water. I gotta yeah. go get some water. Oh, I'm parched. Oh, yeah. Is it? Is he? Has he slept it's, with Mariska Hargitay, or is she somebody else? I believe else? so. Or is that the uh, the pond girl? That was the thing that threw me. I was like, Mariska Hargitay's in there. I don't know who she <laughs> At is. At the credit, I saw. I was like, Mariska Hargitay. Hargitay? What? I don't know who she Mariska Hargitay. Yeah, I was like, what? What? She's from like SVU. SVU? Yeah, SVU. Okay, I don't watch that. <laughs> I've never seen. Have that episode. you ever seen uh, Jeff Speakman? Uh, <gasps> the Human Weapon. The Human. Yes. <laughs> Is it like Beekman's lab? Oh, I love Jeff Speakman's lab. Speakman's lab. No, I haven't. Speakman. I don't know who she is. It doesn't matter to me uh, because everybody's awesome. Yeah. The the Bobby Breeze ejaculates a tongue from her mouth that wraps around this dude's throat and starts strangling him and making blood come out of his neck. It's like, what? And then the camera like whip pans around and it's Michael DeBar with like wide eyes, like cocaine eyes and this fucking like <laughs> tongue sticking out of his mouth. It's awesome. There's a killer clown puppet. There's a creepy clown that turns into a giant slime ghoulie. He was a big, he was a big ghoulie. He's never shown again. He was Why the, did they have to do that? I, mean, don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like because Richard Bannon was like, let's put a fucking scary clown in it. And then we'll have him turn into a ghoulie. Like, but it's the size of like a small A, ma- man. a little man. A little man. It's, it's bizarre. It, like the these... Like green goop starts pouring out of his eyes, his head starts bulging, and then this giant arm comes out of his mouth, rips the head off, and it looks like uh, something from Saturday the Fourteenth, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, <laughs> and that you know, um, it's and it's covered in John Carl Beekler's <laughs> KY. 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 I'm running whatever low. it is. I'm running low, boys. <laughs> We're all out of KY. I guess I'm gonna let me drink some pineapple juice. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's how he was able to do it for little money. I need some celery and some pineapple juice. Oh, gosh. There's a corpse conjuring montage where Michael DeBar is like, oh, my God, the corpses come well, to you me. You cannot have an 80s movie without some sort of montage. That's right. And I thought there was going to be, a, there's like a start where they start to like collect ghoulies. And I thought it was going to be like a ghoulie collecting montage. But there's only one moment where they like beat a ghoulie over the head with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> it like falls down, knocks it out cold. It's really funny. 
That's another thing. Uh, uh, Grizzle and gre- Greedy Gut? Greedy Gut. I didn't mention them. I don't know why. Oh, sorry, sorry to no, jump No, it's ahead. okay. I forgot. I, I forgot like, to mention them. Oh, there, there's there's little people in this movie. This is amazing. Yeah. I was like, they're the, are they the ghoulies? They, that's what I was like. Are they the ghoulies? No. They're, they are assistants to the uh, to the dark. Yeah. Malcolm the dark. Yes, they're the, the first dark. things that conjure up. Um, <laughs> the writhing corpses of this guy's friends is actually kind of disturbing. They're like... Yes, writhing on the ground, and Lisa Pelican like stumbles upon them and sees it, and she's like, "What the fuck?" It's it's it is kind of like yeah, yowza, ooh, yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but then, of course, I want to talk about Michael DeBar. Oh my god, who is fucking incredible in oh. the movie? <sighs> He's the po- just like. <sighs> He called himself uh, David Bowie's undead granddad. That is amazing, and, and I, he's incredible. I I got to tell you, it, during he has a great reveal. This masked you know leader comes in, whips the the thing down. I am a huge MacGyver fan, and I don't know if you guys ever watched MacGyver back in the day. Michael DeBar was Murdoch, who is MacGyver's arch nemesis, and he could never die. Oh MacGyver my God. killed him like six times, and he always would come back. And just seeing him, I was like, oh, shit, Murdoch. And he's he's delicious. He's such a good actor. I'm like, I'm in. This he's is great. having a great time. He is. Swinging and it's this. very clear. <laughs> he, it, it's it's hysterical. Um, there's a scene at like toward the end of the movie when he's there uh, and he's like talking to his son, um, musing about his lost youth. And as he's doing it. Tears are streaming down his face. And there's I was like not sure if it's like the contacts that he's wearing that makes his neon green eyes, or if this is what's going on. If he's like Brad Durifing it, where like he just streams tears. Either way, it's awesome. It's like he's in that scene again. Just like both of our your movies, there's like moments of like great performance and while michael debar's performance is like great on another level uh it's still like really interesting like loki in the first thor where he's like crying when he's telling like how you betrayed me it's like a really interesting moment um it has for me one of the most awesome surprising moments (gasps) in a movie yeah i you go and i'll i'll no, you go ahead and say it. Um, when fucking Wolfgang pops back up, <laughs> dude, I, I, you know what? Epic hero versus villain. I was in. All of a sudden, Michael DeBar just gets spiked in the back with a harpoon. With a triton. And he's like, ah, and fucking it's Wolfgang is back to Jack save. Nance. Deus ex Jack Nance. To save the he's day. He's at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you forget about, there's a scene where he, he's like writhing in his bed because he can't sleep. He did some narration. Yeah, he does as, VO. Yeah. But then, yeah, narration, but then you, he's out. Yeah. Now, I had seen this movie when I was a kid. <laughs> when I watched it, this is a movie that I wish I could like eternal sunshine my brain so that like I could re-experience this for the first time because I rented it like when I lived in Orlando, it was like years ago. I hadn't seen it in forever. And the moment where Jack Nance just, just out of nowhere, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for anybody, but like just shows up. You got it. I, Wolfgang. Holy shit. Yep. It, I literally, the, that time I saw it, I cheered. I went, yes. yes! <laughs> like I was so fucking ecstatic. ecstatic. It was so great. Um, just a great moment. Uh, day six, Jack Nance. Wizard versus warlock. 
They're like in a dual stranglehold with eye lightning while walls crumble around. It's fucking incredible. It's like, this is good. This is very good. Better than Egg Shin and Lopan. It's oh, that's a great... not better than that. However, it's on par. <laughs> it's basically the same thing, except the acting is insanely over the top. They're basically it's like All Michael DeBar. Say, let's see, Michael DeBar and Jack Nance, and they're holding head. each other at the throat, <laughs> and they're just all they're doing is going back and forth and. <laughs> And Jack, uh, Michael DeBarge keeps going like, <sighs> and uh, lightning eyes, <laughs> and Jack Nance is like, <sighs> going back. It's just animated lasers back and forth. It's fucking awesome. Um, go while you still can, <laughs> bitch. The movie ends on a fucking freeze frame. <laughs> so it's like, it That's doesn't get right. any better than that. And the other thing is, you guys, it's fucking 77 minutes long. Yeah. What do you want? Like... It's like it's breezy. You're, it's done. It's over before you're we're even in, like we're out. Yeah, it's it's an awesome movie. It is not a perfect movie. My personal preference for the Ghoulie series, by the way, is Ghoulies Two. I prefer Ghoulies Two over all other Ghoulies movies, but the first Ghoulies. So Ghoulies number two. Uh, they, they don't, you know. Fuck oh, them I for made, not coming up with toilet humor. Toilet humor. Oh, fuck oh, them for not humor. knowing that. Oh man, Ghoulies number two. Holy shit! I want to. I've got some um some Dead City tallies, but I also want to do a Ghoulie count because there are people out there who are like, "There's not enough Ghoulies in this movie." It's all about si-. when I think of when it's the same two Ghoulies that they just put in different positions. Man, that's all it is. Well, that's maybe fine, but I just want to say that and it's leftovers that Beekler had from fucking Troll. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Troll was after. So when I think of satanic horror, like wizards and warlocks, when this was bestowed upon us by the drive-in gods, the first movie that came to my head was Ghoulies. <laughs> For the, it's just what I think about when I think of wizards and warlocks. That said, there are people who are like, I was expecting the gre- gremlins to pop around in suspenders. Well, they're not there. It's ghoulies. And they're like, it's not enough ghoulies. Well, here's you're wrong. There's a little ghoulie count. <laughs> we get ghoulie in a pond, ghoulie in a tree, ghoulie in the dirt. Spiderweb ghoulie. Get a librarian ghoulie who takes a book from the guy and puts it away for him. He's nice. You get a ghoulie under the bed. You get a turkey ghoulie. You get a soup ghoulie. You get a veggie ghoulie. You get a wrinkle-free ghoulie who does not like the uh, wrinkles that the robes have. So he's like patting them out. That's great. (laughs) You get twinsy pond ghoulies. You get a projectile ghoulie thrown by magical munchkins. You get an oversized clown ghoulie, air vent ghoulie, piano playing ghoulie, <laughs> toilet ghoulie, air return ghoulie, bat ghoulie, a ghoulie who just loves sculpture. There's like a bunch of sculptures in the house and this ghoulie just like pats, he's like patting the, the sculpture. Like, I love. And of course, freeze frame ghoulies. Ghoulie, 21. I think there's like, 21 I think there's like four, yeah. four, four or five in the freeze frame at the end. All right, Dead City Tallies. Exploding hearts ripped from chests. Satanic munchkins. You got (laughs) satanic pillow talk. Uh, Face-eating ghoulies. Ghoulies biting hands. You got a demon tongue strangulation. Magic munchkin bat attack where these dudes, these little munchkin boys and girls, they hit Scott Thompson in the head with a bat. 
gnarly mutilations, neon Satanism, wizard versus warlock. It's our first out of this whole thing, wizard versus warlock. That's true. And in case I didn't mention it, fucking freeze frame ghoulies. <laughs> oh, and also it's 77 minutes long. 77 minutes long. So it's perfect. Well, let's take a minute and uh, have a word from our, our second and final sponsor. Have you just inherited a house from a dead warlock? Is it a bit worse for wear than your average fixer-upper? Would you say it's got curb repeal? Then you need Caretaking by Wolfgang. Caretaking by Wolfgang isn't your average greenkeeping maintenance service. It's specifically catered to inherited estates once used for black magic and satanic child sacrifice. So how does it work? Simple. Once you've retained your service, Wolfgang himself takes up residence somewhere around the grounds, like a a little house nearby or maybe an unused room. It's not exactly clear, but there he will reside, sleeping uncomfortably in fear that the once powerful warlock who lived there previously will possess your soul from the afterlife and imbue you with the desire to bring him life and youth once again. No, caretaking by Wolfgang will not keep up appearances or mow the lawn, or water the daisies, or whatever the hell. In fact, you'll pretty much forget about him entirely. Until, that is, your warlock daddy is about to destroy you and all your friends. FWAM! When you least expect it, Caretaking by Wolfgang will materialize with a patented, aerodynamic, magical triton, and a big bushy beard to save the day. If it's a nice front yard you want, then call up fucking Kemlon or whatever. But if you want last-minute surprise help to ward off a warlock's evil spells, then Caretaking by Wolfgang is just a howl away. I have one thing I wanted to say about Ghoulies before we go into our final decision. I I totally forgot about this. Um, I read this online. Somebody p- posited this. Jonathan's father, the main character, the de- the warlock, Michael DeBar, is the leader of a cult that sacrifices infant children. The green childlike ghoulies, in my opinion, nay, all the ghoulies, are reminiscent oh. of infant children. Oh, snap. Just saying. So that's where the... Right. That's where the ghoulies come from? The ghoulies are a little bad. That's why he's sacrificing children? Ooh. So that he can have ghoulie servants. Ooh. I don't know if that's accurate. Luca, let us know. But if that's the case, well done. Dope. All right, guys, this was a long one. Like Jack's penis. (laughs) But it's very thin and narrow. What are we going to do for our final decision here? We got three movies to choose from. Three. And only two can make it. To the slime spatter. Well, I was going to say, my movie is long enough to be both of your movies, so why don't we just get rid of your movies and we'll just show mine? <laughs> <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man. This, I was going to say, this is like the hardest. The hardest. This choice. is a tough one. I'm Chris, to you are required to go first here because you went first in your movie. Oh, well, okay. Um, let's see here. Hmm. All right. I'm going to say, uh, let's go with. Conan the Barbarian and follows that with Vorlock. Okay, so we got a Conan and we've got a Warlock. Yes. Jack, I know this is hard for you, but you can do it. Feed me, Jackie. I'm trying. Okay. Feed my big fat balls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because if you feed them, Jackie... 
They come all over the whole Jamaica group. Oh they my! Come, just come all over this place. Oh my god! <laughs> um. Oh, but okay, okay. Thinking purely, drive-in, double feature. Uh, I wizards cannot, and warlocks. Wizards and warlocks. I think the best double feature, featuring wizards and warlocks, the most of them. If you hit them with a one-two punch of warlock and ghoulies, and let me say. I love Conan so very much. It does. Uh, I would say it is. It's all. It's probably the longest. I think it's two hours ten minutes. Um, two seven. Two seven. But uh, uh, the rediscovering of Warlock and the just batshit insanity, bug nuts, craziness of Ghoulies, uh, and I think Warlock is. I want to say an hour thirty eight hour longer than I expected. It's like one hundred and seven minutes, and I was like, "What?" I thought that was like an eighty minute one too. I was like, what "You could, the fuck? You could probably trim. cut Laurie Singer. Let's make this movie move." <laughs> one final Laurie Singer dig. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think um, if you started with Warlock, the kind of undiscovered, hopefully a rediscover a classic, and then just end with let's have some fucking freeze frame ghoulies of the night um but again i can't say this enough conan is wonderful so i, I, I think we're all right like so we've got right. two Hedge for warlock i put a spell on your ass <laughs> we've got your two eyes. for warlock I'm hypnotized and one for ghoulies and one for conan mm-hmm. and then my pick is um like i said earlier conan for me this is the first full time all the way through and i Grew to love this film. Warlock hadn't seen it in a long time. Uh, was wonderful to revisit it, and then Ghoulies, I just I love it. So it's where it's at. My pick has to be for a drive-in double bill of Wizards and Warlocks. Well, a wizard, namely Jack Nance and Ghoulies, and a warlock, namely the warlock Ju- Julian Sands. That would be my pick for a double feature. So there we go. Here's your Sub-Zero. Oh, no! No, just play Zero. <laughs> so I guess that's our pick. I guess that's our... Now, Chris... Well, you know, some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill and... <laughs> Wait a minute, that's Blade! <laughs> yeah, but I could have said it too. That's not Blade, that's life. <gasps> that's true. Chris, it's up to you now to pick the... The... How... The, the order. order. The order. Mm. Uh... I say come for Warlock and stay for Ghoulies. I do. <laughs> all over it. All, all over the all over the gym. All over the ghoulies. All over the, the witch compass. All over the whip. All over Regent Grant. Oh my god, he's dreamy. All over those blue eyes. Go now, get to the chopper! <laughs> I can't do an article. <laughs> oh, now get to the baby fat. <laughs> so you say warlock followed up by ghoulies. Yes, that's I what that's I say. A, that's a great. That's a great double bill. Well, hopefully the driving gods will be pleased. I um, hope so. I think that would be an excellent double bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time, Chris. Oh, fuck all your bitches. <laughs> I think that it is time for uh, the wizard battle. Chris, I'm going to send this dickhead to the Outer Realms. Okay, Bort, we're ready. Bort. Hey, come on, wizard Bort. Don't you want to see my magic wand? (laughs) Something's wrong. Hold on a second. He ran away, didn't he? Teleported himself into a duck's butthole. 
He's dead. What? Wizard Board is dead. Oh, no! Bummer! What happened? Well, he made himself into the size of a thimble, and I guess the allure of the popcorn was too powerful for him. He drowned in the butter. His tiny wizard corpse is floating in the hot butter. Well, well, I guess that solves that. Farewell, Wizard Bort. Safe travels through the runescape or whatever the fuck. Well, he did restock the soda cups. Well, maybe he wasn't such a bad guy after all. You know, Chris, maybe... Maybe wizards, warlocks, and practitioners of medieval magic are just misunderstood. Feared by an uneducated world persecuted by religious intolerance. Uh, okay, the soda cups are made of skin. What a prick. Well, on behalf of our guest, Jack, uh, actually, I'm not on behalf. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry you had to witness Wizard Bort's bullshit. What an asshole that guy was. I agree 100%. <laughs> that does wrap up another episode of Dead City Drive-In. Once again, I am Brandon Windish. I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered. Under 17, not admitted without parent.